and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I am Kirby. Hello. And uh, this is your second time co-hosting with us in a couple of weeks. This, yeah, yeah, it's very fun. I love it. I'll do yeah, it again. It's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who don't know, this uh, Kirby is of Disaster Tourism Games. Definitely go check out all of that stuff uh what's the most recent thing someone can can find of yours um shit i guess guild is coming out in the next oh, week yeah. or two so uh you know we're on the wire with that the pdfs should be hopefully being sent out in the next week or two as long as all the proofs are final and good um and then we've got a mothership adventure getting published in early april with space penguin inc which will be really awesome uh, and some other stuff, but yeah. there you go. Yeah, so uh, check uh, check Curry out at disastertourism.games, right? Yes, correct. Yes, there we go. So, uh, so you actually suggested the game we're doing today. We are doing Dead Halt from Zonware. Yes, yeah. Um, so, what? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, okay, I'll, I'll jump into it. Uh, I picked this game up at my LGS like uh, a year ago year and a half ago i think um and i haven't read it since i read it the first time um but i remember when i read through it and i had not had a chance to play it unfortunately either but uh when the first time i read through it i was like this is just such a cool game such a cool world everything i was just like i i want to i just i don't have a lot of opportunities to play with people but i just want to play this fucking game it's just so cool um it's such a unique, I was talking about it today with another friend. It's such a unique uh, take on like a noir, a weird like noir futuristic, uh, I don't really know how to describe it from my perspective as far as genre goes. But um, yeah, anyway, it's just, I, I just love the game. It's it's really cool. And I'm excited to find more people that will love it so I can play it with them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Was, I mean, as soon as we were talking about, you know, what game we were going to pick for this week, threw out a couple. And then as soon as you brought this one up, I brought it up. I, I, I looked it up. I was like, oh, this this looks really fucking cool. This looks really, really neat. So uh, so we said, fuck it. Yeah, let's go ahead and do Dead Halt. And I'm glad we did. It was a really, really fun read. And like you said, I'm excited to get into this. Like like you said, I don't even know how to describe it. Like late 90s pre Y2K yeah. neo-noir. Like it's just it's yeah, interesting. It's, it's got that weird like cassette futuristic but also like retro futuristic at the same time, this weird combination. There's a couple of movies I was thinking of that kind of fit that same vibe. One of them was Terminal with Margot Robbie and Simon okay. Pegg, which is a, a great movie that, but that has like a, that same kind of weird, like old and new and, and in between kind of uh, setting that I, I just think is such a cool world to live in. So yeah, it's cool that this, the setting is like that. So let's um I don't think we're we're spotlighting anything today so why don't we just hop straight into this. Um yeah. So this is Dead Halt. I say you have the physical copy of this, right? Yes, I do. Uh, right it is here. it is a pretty look at that gold foiling yeah. on that. That is a yeah. pretty book. It's got a really nice little cover and gold gold ink on the back. Um and yeah, it's it's nice. It's got a nice thick thick paper on the cover. It's a nice book. Very nice book. Nice. Yeah, I as soon as I saw that it was still like you could buy a physical copy on the itch page, I was like, yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and get that. So <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. Um 
So yeah, and then it's fun. It's always fun when you read a book or watch a movie or something like that, and then like the title makes an appearance. So mm-hmm. like I was reading through, reading through, reading through. Then we get to like what Dead Hot means, and I was like, ah, you know, that's a great name for this. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the cover for those in uh, podcast land is pr- is pretty sparse, but I really like it. It's just a white circle with Dead Hot written. Uh, near the bottom of the circle and then it says a role-playing game by Zonware. clean smooth i like it like i said the uh, the print versions with the gold is is really beautiful um and this is the dead halt user's guide uh the illustrations in this are great i really really enjoy them all the way yeah. through yeah i i absolutely love the art in this book um looks like it's by miranda cider emerson brown and ben ben doran very good stuff yeah um, I like the I like the copyright thing here at the beginning, which cracks me up a little bit. It says this manual is copyrighted and contains proprietary information. No part of this publication may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means. Electronic, mechanical, photocopying, recording, floppy disk, cassette, selectron to VHS, laser disc, film, UHD, CD, CD-ROM, mini DV, punch card, zip disk, micro cassette, hit clip, mini disc, or otherwise without the proper permission of Zonware. Crack me up a little bit. I like that. Yeah, I think Zonware actually, I, I really like their shtick because I think even on their Twitter account, they they kind of like are this like corporation. Like the, it's not like a person, right? Um, they kind of act as like a, an actual like entity, which I think is just a really great way to just run your business like from that, especially when this is the primary game you're putting out. You kind of like lean into that character. It's very cool. Yeah, and you know, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later too. But there's there's um, like an adventure book for this. There's like Y two K. I can't remember what it's called, but there's another zine for this. And then there's a website that's just got adventure after adventure after adventure. So there's a lot of content for the game, which is really fantastic to see. Um, you know, that was discoursed a bit ago about just make more shit for your game, and it's nice to see when someone has already done that. So, um, getting into it, uh, zines about forty pages long. I will say right off the bat, no hyperlinks. Kind of, yeah. kind of hurt my heart a little bit, you yeah. know, um, or bookmarks, um, or inline hyperlinks, or really any navigation tools whatsoever. And in, uh, in like a, a tech kind of setting, uh, Happy New Year, nineteen ninety nine. That is, yeah, that is what the the other one's called. Um, I will say that uh, that is really disappointing. Um, it would be nice to have hyperlinks in this. Um, and there are, but there are links out to other things. So Zonware website, I think at the end with the creators and stuff like that, they have links to their Twitter pages and stuff. So links are in here, um, but hyperlinks and inline hyperlinks would be, uh, would be really nice. Um, but, uh, broken down in four parts, we have the learn to play section, which is, um, uh, about half the zine. Tales from the Bar, which is about character creation and whatnot. The charts, which is all the things that you need to play um and then adventure arcs in the back which are great but you know on the weekly scroll we don't read the adventures by the fucking book um read them yourself yeah getting right into it i really love this did we talk about this i don't remember who if it was you and me or if it was me and hunter we talked about like having a little piece of narrative in the beginning is a lot better than like a how to play an rpg Yeah. yeah yeah Oh no, yeah. it was us. Uh, we were talking about that with um with Slipgate. The Slipgate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
so I, I I love that a lot better because listen, everyone knows how to roll fucking dice, and you're going to explain how to do it anyway. Yeah. So I don't need yeah. to hear your shit. Um, and secondly, um, it's just nice to have a um a narrative that really puts you into the mode because a lot of times with a lot of these narratives you can instantly understand like the setting and things like that so this is one that i think is really really great and i'm gonna go through um and read this right here it says this the year is 1996 y2k hasn't happened yet so everything is still quite all right the leaves on this autumn day have just changed colors the streets are littered with flecks of orange yellow and brown the berg is still and basking in wavering golden light from the setting sun. Help Wanted is scrawled in thick black ink on an old sandwich board. Six steps down reveal the hidden face of the hotel's entrance. A warm red glow comes from the stained glass squares bordering the large oaken door. The lobby is patterned with a deep red Hicks hexagon carpet and swirling olive wallpaper. An empty reception desk sits in front of a board of room key tags. On the large worn desk sits an old blocky computer terminal. Two overstuffed velvet chairs surround a gas fireplace, a, a shelf set into the wall between them filled with battered books. To the right is a thin doorway, above which a mounted black placard reads, The Fall Bar. Seven stools sit in front of the long bar. A quiet metal man behind the bar slowly cleans a short glass. The mirrored wall behind him is lined with row upon row of glittering liquor. Welcome to the hotel. That's a great piece of narrative right there. Yeah, I love it. You know, and I really feel like when I first read it, I was like, oh, because there's like a hit in there that gets you because you're like, you feel like it's 1996. You think you know what's going on. You walk into a, a, a hotel. There's a help wanted sign. But then when it goes a quiet metal man behind the bar, yeah. which is like one of the last lines in the thing, you're just like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. this is not this is this is a bit different. Um, and I just, you know, like we said with, with Slipgate, like that is such a better way to start um, a book than to be like, this is a role playing game is this. This is what a polyagonal yeah. dice is like, you know, really, really great way to go. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that uh, it could have been a, a dozen other other things and I've seen them in a dozen other ways. But just like with Slipgate, I, I think that reading this especially if you're the game master running or in this one the hm which i'm going to save for later when we actually talk about it uh the uh, you you uh you read this first and you're already just like sucked in into the mm -hmm. feel of what's happening um even while you were reading it and i was just sitting here looking at the text and listening to you read it i was feeling like i was sitting at a table and somebody was just like immersing me into the into the setting and i think it's such a great way to start a book yeah, I mean, couldn't couldn't agree more. Again, we we loved it in Slipgate. We love it in this. Um, this is definitely you know a really, in my opinion, the preferred way to um, to start a zine, to start a book, to start anything. Like, just yeah. give me some narrative, get me immersed. That's what the point of RPGs is, anyway. Let's get into it. Um, so yeah, I like this cup right here. It's straight up just good morning coffee mug right there. I wish I had some coffee right now. Um, I do like that the index pages here are in like floppy disks. That's yeah. what the it's a whole page looks like a big floppy disk and almost like a label on the disk. It breaks down um, the it learn to play and then introductions at the bar, action rounds, actions, items, enemies, monsters, the elevator floors, magics, defying death. Well, what would also be nice on this page is if 
all of these little sections were hyperlinked to that section. That would be really great navigation to further break down, you know, and, and you know, if each page had a link back to this in the chapter, that would be ideal. But at the very minimal, the hyperlink section at the in the index would be great. And, um, you know, even more so would be really nice here. But it's not. And we will continue. So I, I really enjoy the. Um, the layout it reminds me a little bit of the layout in mothership well, zero edition is what they want to call it um just like the black yeah. white the bars yeah. i don't know if you, you got the same vibe um yeah and, a bit yeah and although it's only 40 pages it's dense yeah like yeah, there's it's a small a, font and they pack the text in but not in an unreadable way it's very no. legible Things are broken up cleanly, uh, but they really pack it in. Like they pack yeah. the details in. It's good, right? And it's not it's not uh, two columned. It's all the way across, so you can get uh, um, a lot of you know lose that you know what's it what's it called the trough or something in the middle of the page. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but it's great. So obviously we're not going to read all of this, but because um, because like I said, it's it's a it's a pretty um, it's pretty dense read, but. Again, as we said, not in a bad way. But starting off here, introductions at the bar. Um, Deadhold is a role-playing game which players create maintenance crew members to explore and complete jobs within a megalithic hotel. I love the premise of this fucking game because it's it can be anything you want it to be. Like, it really can. Because, you know, as we get farther on, you know, we'll, we'll get into... Um, how you know what the floors are and how they can be, but the floors can be literally anything. So um, starting it off this way is interesting too, because it also tells you right off the bat that this is an RP heavy narrative focused game as opposed to a mechanically heavy game. Like this does not feel like a combat game, you know what yeah. I mean? Which is polar opposite to what we did last time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very <laughs> much just a bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Um. So, uh, start a session with the players walking into the fall bar and sitting down across from the charismatic cybernetic bartender known as Durain. Uh, this is where we will get our first sense of who these characters are, how they might react to the circumstances in the hotel, um, so they may feel at home. Um, uh, I, I, I did notice a couple times through, there are a couple, like, a lot of commas where I might use and or other than that, just like there may have been like four or five times where I was just like, so this is one of them that I noticed. And this isn't just like this is just, you know, uh, this is where we will get our first sense of who these characters are and how they might react to the circumstances in the hotel. So make them feel at home. I had to read it twice. It's completely correct, but I had to read it twice. Um as a game master, or as we may refer to the hotel manager, as you're referencing the HM, uh, you play Durain, will strike up, you play as Durain, and will strike up a conversation that will mold who the player characters are. Encourage a dialogue between the players in order to form an idea of who their crew member may be. During this dialogue, they may begin filling in their ID cards. So... What would you like to drink? Uh, would you like to eat or drink something? Uh, what is your name? What was your last profession? What are your hobbies? How did you end up in the hotel? What is your relation to each character? How did you meet? I um, I love this kind I of do. character creation, this like active character creation. Um, 
and I think that it's something that really is lacking in a lot of games, uh, especially in games that are more narrative focused. Um, now, this isn't necessarily your character is evolving over time, but or, or it, I mean, it could be, but it, this kind of like development isn't necessarily like these questions aren't going to be asked later on in the campaign, right? Or whatever. But um, I just think that a lot of these, uh, a lot of games require you to have all the information before you start. And I like that you can listen to a character talk about something they want or they have, and then you can be like, it can inspire you to have an idea to answer the question on, on your turn. And that can keep going around like that. And the characters can kind of be developed together, but during the actual gameplay, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I, I, I love this. You know, the, 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 one of the games that I think I've seen something kind of similar to this recently is uh frontier scum has a really fun way of making your skills where it's more like here's like a memory you had or like you did this thing. What did you learn from it? Mm. And I feel like this kind of has that same similar vibe, kind of how you just said, where like you sit down in a bar and start having a conversation with the people around you and you can learn who you are while learning who everyone is. And it can all like adapt. And I can imagine sitting around being like, oh, actually, you know what? Instead this and instead that. And then everyone just kind of like gets that feeling of like, who they are, what they what they are, what their motivations are, and then especially if, like this feels like a, a um, almost like a mechanized zero session, which which is a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so uh, then the next paragraph like uh, spells that out a little bit. Let the conversation evolve building off of the changing narrative and incorporate each player. As a hotel manager, you are encouraged to advise them on their characters prior to walking in the hotel. If she loved rugby, perhaps her strength or speed attribute is high. If they were a telemarketer, perhaps they have a high knowledge or constitution score. If he was a door-to-door salesman, he may have a briefcase full of knives as his item, or a computer repairman may have a microcomputer. So smart. And, like, it even talks later about how, like, the items you might have with you can be an item that you have in the game. So, like, the idea of, like, a door-to-door salesman having a briefcase full of knives and then that becomes an item in the game for you is, is really, really yeah. smart. Yeah. Um... And I really like, I know there's been some discourse on the tweeters recently, which I I try to avoid, but I mean, I don't discourse, but I read it about uh, bullets and paragraphs. Um, You know what? Just use them smartly and both are fine. But I really do like how the the whole kind of explanation of Durain is very small. It's not bullet pointed. It doesn't say like metal man has this, does that. Like yeah. you learn so much about him in a very in like a very little bit of words. And like a charismatic cybernetic bartender is mm-hmm. enough for me. That sounds fantastic. We already know he's a metal man and now he's charismatic. He's the bartender. He runs a hotel. That's all you need. And it took like two lines. Yeah. Um, so it says at this point, this is how you've begun character creation. You're encourage people's quirks and oddities and obsession to get fucking weird with this game. I don't know why you wouldn't. There's an ID card, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, I love that, uh, you can just, it's super easy. It's very light as far as uh, a character sheet goes. Um, you can print them out. Um, they're in the book, but you can also go to zonware.net and print out more of them, which is really fantastic. So I like that there are a lot of resources plugged into the game. 
Um, and then it says, now the crew has been formed. Drain will offer them a job and set aside some gold or equipment to get them on their way. Um, and then that's it. So you learn right away. You are going to be the maintenance crew of a giant hotel in 1996 with a cybernetic bartender. You sit down, have some drinks, figure out who you are, get some gold, go about your business. Great. Love the premise. Yeah, it's such a cool introduction page um, because it gives you so much information about the the hotel in a in rules, which I think is really really great. And the bullet points versus paragraphs uh, discourse, I tend to lean more towards paragraph, but um, that's more I think. I think that that discourse may be more focused on adventure writing specifically, but I could be wrong. I also try to stay away from discourse now that I'm a smart person. Um, but uh, I do think that this was, it was just written, it's written extremely intelligently in in the yeah. way that it conveys the rules about how this game starts and what you, what you need and examples just in that also give you details about the world. Like it's just, it's really, it's just so good. I love it. Well, and and it continuously reinforces the points as it goes, right? So we have the we have the index, right? And then we have a page at the beginning of the chapter that breaks down that chapter further so you know what's coming into it. And then at the bottom of this page that is giving you all through character creation, there's another large black bar across the bottom that literally breaks it down again. The goals of sitting at the bar before traveling on your adventure is thus complete crew member IDs, develop character backgrounds and understand their personalities, decide the thematic objects they brought into the hotel, learn their aspirations, answer a few questions and curiosities about the hotel, give them a job and offer a reward for going beyond the fall bar. It's, you yeah. do not question at any point reading these rules what you're supposed to be doing or how something works. They're written yeah. very well, very concisely with all the information you need and then, and then are constantly reinforced with examples of play, with lists like this. It's just... It is really intelligently written. Yeah, layout like this, I think, is extremely important too. Um, as far as like accessibility goes, um, and I know we're missing hyperlinks for the accessibility aspect, but I do think that the uh, the way that it's done, what you just said, is a really important part for accessibility. Not only for people who may struggle with like reading more uh, dense page, like I do with my ADHD, it's very hard for me to read long blocks of text so if i wanted to read what is the introduction at the bar i might scan this quickly and see if anything sticks out at me and then see that block at the bottom and see oh shit i can just read that get a good idea of what i need and then i can go back to that later if i really want to sink my teeth into like more details about why are the players what what is next what's an example what like stuff like that you know what i mean and mm -hmm. um when we get to the next page there's more examples of that but that's and that's another thing with uh game masters too is being able to quickly flip to that section after they've already read it mm -hmm. and go i don't need i'm not going to read this entire page again i'm just going to look at that black box because i already remember most of that stuff in my head and that will trigger those memories from the things <laughs> i previously read like it's great it's great layout well not only that as you said like again i i have really bad ADHD. It's hard to stand and read a lot of text. Um, I don't understand why people don't like bold text. I think it's fantastic. I use it all the time. Uh, yeah. It really helps my brain. Yeah, I think same. there is solid amount of bold text on here for all the important stuff, like maintenance crew members, jobs, hotel, and the first line are all uh, bolded text. And I think those are the most important parts of it. Um, the first line and the next one, starting a session with the fall bar and the charismatic bartender, 
perfect line later when it talks about hotel and hm id member cards and then all of those questions in the middle are bolded and then the first line of the next part is bolded and it, and that's all on black and white text um i also like it's not quite pure black i feel like it makes it a little bit softer on the eyes in the in the yeah. contrast but it, it is black and white like yeah and then yeah. it's got the black bar at the bottom it root again it it is enforcing not just now in the rules but in the layout the important parts and what you should be focusing on in an incredibly readable way. And I'm usually yeah. uh, a, a serif guy, but I feel like this sans serif font is very readable. But yeah. and that's just page one, guys. Like, it, yeah. it, long story short, <laughs> great fucking layout, super readable, intelligently written. Like, it made it really easy to read and parse this when. Um, I've read other games where I've had to go back and read a couple sections on over again. I'd never had to really like for the rules or anything, had to go back and reread any of this and was able to parse it and, and, and remember it. Um, and it was really good. So forming the crew. So getting into the attributes of your players, you are making a crew member. They are unique. Um, there are five attributes. Uh, don't need to dig deep into them. You know what they are. Strength, speed, focus, constitution, and knowledge. They're all exactly what you think they are. Um, uh, but there are there is little breakdowns on the bottom with examples and everything after again really well done going on to the next page compiling an id card we love us a numbered list for character creation and then an explanation of that really really fantastic um yeah so breaking down an id card is a credit card sized character sheet that keeps track of your crew members attributes items progress in the hotel everything i would love to make these laminate them like an id card and then just pass out like wet erase markers or something yeah yeah that would be really fun especially with the little lanyards or a little clip-on thing if oh you were really God. gonna try and like larp this a little like this would actually like, be very fun to larp at like a convention or something because yeah. you'd already be in like a hotel and you could yeah. like clip it on your thing and that yeah. yeah you 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 have to go get your id badge lanyard at the thing yeah. like what was your name again you find it all onto the placard on the table like cardboard yeah cardboard android suit at a bar <laughs> yeah that would be fun it'd be really fun to sit down and do the whole first part as a zero session and then come back the next time to have your lanyard or your clip badge and your name tag and like everything right there that'd be so cool so number one choose your character's name for me that's always last because it's the hardest part for me i don't care what it is uh number two origin the traits and crew members gain from your background again this is a part that would be really nice to have like inline hyperlinks where it says a lot of there are a lot of like page 220s page this page that for it and to be able to click page 220 to actually go straight to that would be really nice that way you could just go to this one page and then have a quick reference to any individual part of it but you know again i'm not gonna harp like on hyperlinks all night long it's there though it's yeah. not, it's not there in a lot of in a lot of books, so it's very I nice. That I it's actually, I there. agree. Uh, that's two is your origin. Three is your quirk. Again, on page two twenty, it's a unique benefit from your origin um, attributes. So origin plus three, which is interesting, and this isn't always the same for each one, but each origin will have a different base orientation of attributes they are inherently good at. While humans start with a base of one in each. Each player then has three more points to spend on upgrading attributes. Take note, human crew members start with four points to spend on attributes due to their origin's quirk instead of the standard three. I like that. It, like each, like each, we'll get to, we'll, we'll get to the origins and explain it a little bit, but it's, it's nice. And then you get a couple to build more into yourself, which I really enjoy. 
Um, there's a whole section on items. Um, there's armor. We'll get into that. There's armor value, which is speed plus your armor item. Uh, your current wounds, which I love using the word. I love wounds and harm instead of HP and damage. Yeah. Um, uh, wound threshold, which is interesting, which is the sum of your attributes, um, but con counting as four. Again, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, the amount of gold you have, the mods, which are on page 340, um, your job tally, which is jobs equals plus one pip. So basically every time you complete three jobs, you get another pip to use and then a character portrait. And I really love what they did on the next two pages or on the next page. So again, yeah. examples of play, they give you a character Friday, the rat folk, right? Um, crew, uh, after Miranda's last character devolved into a cybernetic madness, they made Friday the rat folk. They use a lot of magic to help the crew. Um, after the third job, Miranda decided to allocate an extra pip for her knowledge attribute. And Friday also enhanced strength from the turbo turnkey mod she gained during a battle with the vending machine. So not only does it give you an example of the character sheet ID front and back, right? It also, uh, everything that we said at the top that is numbered 1 through 13, when you look at this example character sheet, it's labeled by number. So mm. it shows you yeah. where the name goes, where the attributes go, what the wound threshold is, everything. I like that because it actually makes the um, character sheet not have to be any bigger because you don't have to write wound threshold, name, like yep. any of that stuff on it. It's super simple. So if you just explain what each one is in here, you don't have to reference what this little pointy up arrow thing is because you know it is your armor value later. So it keeps the ID small, clean, and also mm -hmm. as far as a layout sense, makes it really easy to understand, oh, okay, that's where I put the mission. That's where I put this, that's where I put that. Again, more super, super, super clever layout. Yeah. And I just um, love that. <laughs> oh, the picture of the rat folk is so good it's with like a little so magic good. wand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it says ID cards were formatted to be easily scribbled down on a note of scrap paper, but are also available at zonware.net. No reason not to put that again. Mention again right under the ID cards. Really, really clever there. So um, that is a characterization getting into what action rounds are. Um, there are two types of beings within the hotel. There are crew members and denizens. Crew members are the players and protagonists. Denizens are everybody else. Um, and they specifically say denizens are not necessarily in conflict. They can help or not help or might sometimes be enemies, but they could eventually be friends too. It's one giant hotel. No one has anywhere else to go. Um, I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really nice to, again, this doesn't feel like there's combat in it, but it doesn't feel like a combat game. And I really like that. It literally says like, there is no monster manual. There is nothing like that because anyone you run into at any time could potentially be a friend. Like yeah. they are what they are. Yeah. For um, sure. uh, deciding turn order basically. And I love this. I love this style of initiative. Basically it says you don't need to roll for it. You don't need to do anything. Do what makes narrative sense. And as long as everyone gets a turn, there you go. Yeah, I love it. The the whoever whoever walks in the room first takes the first bullet. Like it's just that's ob it's obvious that that's the way that it should work. You know, somebody sees a thing, then why would somebody else want to pick it up first if it's of interest and you saw it? It just that it makes sense. And I'm I'm a big fan of no initiative. 
uh especially even in more he- combat heavy games so um but yeah i love this this is great yeah i think i think uh, choosing uh, and i like that it says if everyone is a similar set let the crew collectively choose who acts first it, the game reinforces over and over again and we, we we talked a little bit about this before the stream started how like the way in which a game is written will really influence whether consciously or subconsciously the way in which a game is played so when this game specifically keeps talking over and over again about the crew and working together as a crew and like sometimes people are friends, sometimes they're enemy, but everyone can be helpful. Everyone's a crew like it really, really encourages even even the way that character creation works as a group. Do it together really encourages that concept of you are a crew, you are a team, you are working together. There's no like you're not trying to min max and win and like all this other stuff. You're yeah. doing everything and it, it's it's really well done. Um you know, and and to the initiative point, I've played too many games of a, of a different game written by various magicians that live on either side of the country near the water that um, I'll walk in, be the first one to walk in, say I swing at the bad guy, and then they want to roll initiative, but I didn't roll the highest, so I don't get to swing at the bad guy that started the initiative. You know what I mean? So... It's um, it's nice when games uh, don't worry about that and let you just play what makes sense narratively. Um, and I also like this next section. We don't worry about movement all that much in Dead Halt. Wherever a crew member, whenever a crew member takes an action, they may move appropriately. Um, and really, it just like. If they're trying to run down 50 flights of stairs and out the front of the building, might be a little bit too far. Be yeah. reasonable. And yeah. the the hotel manager's job is really just to make them be reasonable, and that's about it. Um, I love that they and- have a, a roll-off with the HM, though. I just think that's, that's great. Like, why, you know? Like, sometimes it's like the 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 GM can can make the, make the decision, but I like that it's almost reinforcing, even though it's the game master or the hotel manager versus the player, it's still kind of reinforcing that we're all in this together. It's not just one person making the rule and you answering, you know, it's like, well, and this is in this chance, let's just flip a coin and see who wins. Like, you know, I like that. I really do. Yeah. It says when in doubt, have a player MHM roll a D six, the winning role will dictate the outcome. Like you said, it's really enjoyable. There's things there's, there's other games and none of them are going to come to mind where it is like, like roll a d6 high pick high or low or roll like flip a coin roll fate roll something like that because it's just like if no one can come to a a, a disagreement uh, to an agreement fuck it let the dice decide and just keep going like you said it's it's i i really enjoy it it's 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 nice um great piece of art here i don't think we've been talking about the illustrations enough through this entire thing it's very rarely a page goes by without a, a really nice illustration um and this one at the top is great it's a whole picture of a crew it's got i think pretty much everybody it's got the the uh, i'm gonna say them all wrong now and we'll say them right in a little bit but there's like a toad person a rat folk um there's the uh i think they're called the blank slate the the failed clones um there's what amounts to like a quasi demonic i don't i don't want to say tiefling but like a demonic character which obviously that's what i would play um human don't forget we don't remember this one is and then a computer so we'll get to those in a little bit but it's a great illustration of of what the whole crew could be um and it's nice it's just nice um and i feel like the art style also fits in really really well with the layout for just being like you know black white and gray and 
um, it fits. So um, this is a bunch of, it is a whole page of um, examples Finish. of play. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this page so yeah. much and more right. RPGs need to have this. It literally is like all the various ways that something could come up and how you could adjudicate it. A situation arises or the crew collectively chooses a crew member to act. Example, Mallory is leading the party. She walks into a room full of rat folk. She acts. Or Ricka hears a grinding of gears at the end of the hallway. They act. Or Sam steps on a loose tile and falls through the floor. He acts. The Lost Adventure sees the players harass a 19th floor console. She acts. It's great. Uh, yeah. The next block, the most thematic crew member acts afterwards. Next one, after the crew acts, enemy acts. And the next one, lastly, denizens act. It's a whole breakdown of how a round goes with examples. So just yeah. Zonware, yeah. killing it's, it here. It's really good. And I also want to say something very small that is not really often touched on, I don't think is and it's very minimal very minimal is using all various genders and pronouns when you're doing character examples is just it's great oftentimes a lot of people now will just use they for everything which is fine and great it's you know it's gender neutral but it's just also really cool to see an intentional focus on making sure that they try to include as many as possible in their examples and not just flatly writing they or he or she for everything you know um which is something I, I i had a bit of an issue with with uh free leagues games is that they went the hard opposite and went just all she i think in uh at least in tales from the loop i have to check the others but um for like all of the 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 game master rules it's just she for everything which is fine but i appreciate that a lot even though it's such a small little thing i think it's really important yeah, it's it's fantastic to see. I like I don't I don't mind um, picking one for rules and sticking with it. Yeah. But I really like that in examples, like you said, that there are and and it's consistent throughout. I think Mallory and Rick and them come up again throughout their text. So it's really nice. But like yeah. the fact that like you can. The other thing, too, is in character creation, it never said, like, pick your pronouns. But mm -hmm. again, we're talking about the way which things are written and how things are written. There's an implication here without having to spell it out entirely that that is part of the game too, which is which yeah, is really a cool sure. thing to see. Absolutely. And I don't think it's really that small of a thing. I think it's clearly an intentional choice that is a, a good, um, yeah. nice choice to see from Zonware that is that more people should be aware of. So completely yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is that was that the next are the various actions that can happen and these are interesting um in the mini floors beyond the fall bar roadblocks may arise to overcome these challenges the crew only needs a handful of six-sided dice so we find out it is a dice pool system great um you don't need to explain to me what a dice pool system is at the beginning for me to understand this we appreciate that you didn't so to resolve a situation crew members may act attack or use magics love again the use of bolds I, even even this little I don't even know what to call this thing right here. This little block in front of like acting. I guess it's maybe it could just be like a bullet. What's up? It's a cursor from uh, from the old old school uh, MS DOS. Oh, like DOS. Oh, yeah. that's right. Well, because Forter or whatever is DOS. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I cool. love the use of God. The layout 
like despite the loss of hyperlinks it's not gonna be a lot of your bonus points are the way this layout is yeah, by the time we get to the end the 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 use of bold the use of italics the use of black and white but with bars like mm -hmm. i love all of these things because the readability and accessibility is fantastic again yeah. I do, both of us have ADHD. It makes it hard to read a lot of block text and this makes it so fucking easy. Yeah. Um, thank you. So um, acting allows any crew member to overcome an obstacle or attempt a feat they would like to perform. To act first, have the crew member state the action they would like to perform. Example, maintenance, uh, that's you. I would, I want to break down that door by kicking it in. Second, decide which attribute is most applicable to the situation. The amount of dice a player rolls is equal to the amount of pips they have in that attribute. Easy peasy. Here we go. Hotel manager. That will use your strength attribute. Maintenance. Awesome. I have three points in strength and get to roll three dice. Fucking easy. Uh, so fucking yeah. easy. Third, yeah. count how many knocks are achieved and refer to the table below. Any I, any die that rolls a four or above is a knock. One, two, and three are misses. Bolded. Centered. Thank you. Easy. Yeah. And then it gives you a list of zero to six on um, how those knocks work. So zero failure. The uh, hotel manager will narrate what goes wrong and how it negatively, negatively affects the task. On a one, partial success. Hotel manager narrates a successful action with negative side effects. Full success is two, right? Two knocks. Yeah. Um, full success. The action stated occurs without complication. Three, striking success. The player will narrate how they complete their action. Four, gleaming success. The player will narrate their action and add any reasonable small action. Five, heroic success. The player will narrate their action as well as choose another player to take an action. And six, wondrous success. The player will narrate their action, take a small action, as well as choose another player to take an action and a small action. Interesting. What do you think Why? of this? So I like this. I think that if I was, if I had written it, I would have probably only done four. Um, but then again, it's kind of, they're leaning on the one success is one six, you know, kind of like the one success is a, is a success thing. So um, I, I can't really fault them for just like leaning on that. And the chances that you're actually going to be rolling six dice for a while are pretty low. So there's kind of a weird, you know, in between thing for me where like I feel like it's going to it's not going to be a very high chance at first that you're going to be rolling more more than probably five dice. Um, so but still, I think it's very cool. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same as you. Exactly, I feel like it works It 100 percent works, but I do feel like it's a lot. And I feel like I, uh, yeah, I get, I get, I get it. I like it. I think it works. It's totally fine. I'm sure playing would um, um, make a lot of stuff more apparent. And as you said, yeah. the odds of getting a five and a six are pretty small. Um, yeah. Because honestly, like the odds of you even getting to roll six dice is crazy. The odds of all six being above a four mathematically are very small. 
Yeah. Um, the only question then, and it's just a question, it's not something that I'm going to answer, is if it's that small of a, a chance, do you really need those big extra things? Right. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of saying is, and even Christian mentioned like a mega success in 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 their comment there. Um, I would it, and I, I'm not knocking the game, no no pun intended, uh, at all. But if I was gonna change this, I would probably make like uh, one success would be a partial success, and then I'd make two to three successes, or I would just make three successes a like gleaming success, and then make five successes a, a wondrous or maybe six successes a wondrous success so just have so just so it's like easier to parse at at a glance when you're playing kind of thing mm -hmm. but then again i haven't played the game yet i know you haven't played the game yet so there's no way we can actually judge that on on an actual play level but upon upon reading it that's what i that's kind of where i would go with it yeah yeah, like you said, I, I completely agree. I just think that, you know, that when, in something like PBTA, right, you get failure, mixed success, and full yeah. success, right? I don't mind there being a little bit more because even within that, you can go, because even PBTA has realistically five options, mm -hmm. right? So you can have like a, 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 like a snake eyes super fucking failure, a failure, a mixed success, a full success, and then like a double six ultra success right but you don't yeah. really get to the ends a lot you really just focus on the three so i think yeah. i think between three and four would probably make it just a little bit easier because honestly i feel like i would need this page as a reference for sure yeah and i feel like the rest of the game doesn't really require that so this just feels like it's a little bit more again want to play want to feel it yeah um yeah i just uh, but you know. i do think what, what l what l owls has said in chat as well is i think really valuable too is that the game is pushing for the players to be successful and i think that that's just a good way to write your game too and i think maybe that's yeah. that's the goal in this entire thing is to show that perhaps but mm -hmm. yeah overall it is well, like one of those also like if i don't want to do it this way i can just you know, change the numbers a little bit. Oh, yeah, and just... Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's a great thing about tabletop role playing games. You can tweak it to make it work. Um, it also, though, is really interesting. Uh, one of the things that's added in here, too, um, is uh, some action economy stuff as opposed to just the successes. Because yeah. it's not like you just get to succeed. It's you get to on four, five, and six. Um, there's more action economy, which is an yeah. interesting place to put it. I don't. Yeah, it's interesting place to put it. So at four, again, you get uh, your action plus a small action. At five, you get an action and another player gets a whole action. And at six, you get an action and another player and a small action and another player gets an action and a small action. It creates a lot more action economy, which is interesting because that's more times that players can continue to try to do things. Yeah. So again, I really... We're not knocking, as you said, not really knocking this. I really yeah. want to play it, really feel, because I feel like it's more than just the success and the la and the and not success. I feel like the um, expanded action economy could make things really, really interesting. Sure, yeah. And yeah, and but for a really what is is um, a uh, a non combat game i would use the shit out of something like this in more combat kind of games though because oh, yeah, you can imagine sure. something like this in a game like like slipgate where your successes not only increase what you do but your uh fellow players 
additional successes and stuff. So gotta write um, that down for my uh, my war game I'm working on. Right. Um, so but no, what, I did want to mention one more thing that I really liked about this though is I like that there's a flip at two and three where mm-hmm. the action stated occurs without complication, and then three is the player narrates how they complete their action. I think that's really cool because there's that that chance that you can just slightly alter based on your successes your plan to put you or another player or even the enemy or the friend that you're talking to or whatever in a different position or situation than they would have been if you had only rolled two successes so in the, now that i'm thinking about it i'm like okay maybe four maybe four options would have you know like maybe i would and have that's done four. the thing and that's you know, where you like get that, that like just little bonus that can really give you something else like yeah you know Completely agree. So this is one of those ones where it's really hard to parse how to feel about it. It's more just like a discussion of of like yeah. intent and stuff like that, but without actually getting into the table because it really is does is it does it work super well or is it slightly over designed? You know what I mean? And yeah. that's a question that the dice will tell you at the table. So yeah. this uh, another reason really want to play this game. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, attacking allows a crew to attempt to harm or destroy another being. Attacking creatures or beings within the hotel is ill-advised, but sometimes maybe the only option. I like that. Again, it tells you this ain't a combat game, but if you want to, here you go. Um, And it gives you uh, attacking unarmed, attacking with improvised weapons, and attacking using weapon. I like that unarmed and improvised are important here because you might not have a weapon because this isn't a combat game. You might just have your briefcase or your rugby sticker or whatever. Um, so attacking unarmed, gathering, gather dice equal to your strength attribute, roll, and every knot causes a wound. Um, I like that there's no damage dice. It's just a success is a wound. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, attacking with an improvised weapon. If the item is wielded, um, gather dice equals to your strength. If it's thrown, it's to your speed. At a bonus um, uh, decided by the HM for the item, such as plus one or plus two dice. So, like, it's going to be different if you're throwing, like, a paper ball or, like, a ninja star. Like, it, you know, it's it, and I like that it allows the HM to, again, be a fan of the player. Because notice yeah. how it says a bonus. It never says a bane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. worse is base and the better, the better. Um, and then attacking using weapon, gather dice equal to the attribute the weapon relies on, add the weapon's bonus dice, roll, check if the weapon malfunctioned, and every knock causes wounds equal to its wounding value. Again, I love that because on unarmed, no, no, no potential failures or anything like that. Improvised, no potential failures or anything like that, but an actual weapon has a possibility of malfunctioning in your hand furthering that concept of the way in which a game is written like will in like encourage the way to play the game your odds of you shouldn't attack and if you attack with an actual weapon it could go bad for you i love that it really encourages the game to or the players to not necessarily fight your way out of everything yeah for sure um, yeah. it gives a, yeah. right. It gives a great example of play here. Um, with good planning, a crew member may gain an advantage over a situation while you lose item surprises, add additional die to a roll. To me, that rule says negotiate. Mm-hmm. 
Like what what how many more die can I eke out of the GM? You know, like, yeah. do I get a little bit more? Can I do this? Like, well, you know, if I um, if I have the high ground, can I get, you know, one more die? I, I like can that. I bring pizza next week. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get into items. Uh, so, uh, crew members in Deadhalt must use the objects available to them in order to thrive in the hotel. These items are anything that the players may find, receive, or create. An item could be anything from a screwdriver or floppy disk to a sword, fabled to be the only way to slay the mecha lizard terrorizing floor 34. Hey, it's just so, so good. I already got an idea for an adventure right now. Like, I'm just reading, just reading that. You're like, okay, cool. Let's do that yeah. one. That sounds great. great. Yeah. It's fucking, yeah. Um, yeah, the players are encouraged to be creative with the things they find and should be rewarded with advantage and role-playing options for out-of-the-box thinking. Again, be a fan of the player. You know, yeah. um, there's a list of iconic items in the Goshapon section. I, I love that there's Goshapon because it has to be, because of course it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there are three types of objects, uh, items, weapons, and armor. Um, items are, uh, as intended, are uh used as intended are thematically will give a crew member advantage so if you're um i do like the example here i want to jack into the console and reprogram it my goal is to make it act hostile to any others that exit the elevator onto this floor i also take out my hobby computer that i set up real quick to aid in my programming and the hotel manager says uh, that will be using your focus and the hobby computer will give you a clear advantage here add an extra die to your roll love it Mm -hmm. um armor and weapons are important um as much as again we've talked about if you actually get into a fight uh they protect you every crew member can wear one piece of armor that's it that's all you need to worry about um it's noted on your id card where we talked about earlier um any better armor replaces one you already have um and when a crew member takes wounds subtract the armor value from it before adding to your wound total so armor is soak yeah yeah um and then weapons. I it's interesting that the weapon stat block is the most complicated thing in this game, I think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so weapons are only used when attacking. Each unique weapon has a weapon profile um containing uh basically their own ID card. It's got an attribute used to wield it. The bonus dice it adds to your roll, an ammo capacity, a wounding value, and a malfunction threshold. So the example here, and again, I love that it's got the um, the I, stat block for the weapon, but without like writing out attribute, bonus dice, whatever, it just numbers it so you know what they are, so you don't need to worry about it later. So there is yeah. a slicer rifle, which looks like a badass Nerf gun laser thing. Like it just looks sick. So top left is a slicer rifle, and then number one, bottom left of the card, is it just has focus because that's the attribute used. And then number two, it, it says plus, and then there's two blocks here, so I assume that's two pips. So that's two bonus die added to your roll. And then right next to that, it says WV3, so the wound value is three. It says MT1, so the, man, the malfunction threshold is one, which I feel feels low. Um, and in the top right, it's got five little bullet outlines. So I, that is the ammo capacity um, for the slicer rifle. Um, great little card. Yeah, it's a cool looking and, gun too. It's a dope gun. And then it still has one through five, the breakdown of um, what all of those mean. So uh, I do, once I do it, think it's, 
sorry I, I do think it's interesting because you said that it's the most complex part of the game and i think that that just continues to reinforce this <laughs> this aspect of like combat is not always preferred let's make the weapons kind of complex you know not like complex yeah. and difficult but like they're a little more complicated than like just not using them you know yeah exactly I, I, I you know great. I, I, it's wonderful. I, I really enjoy that. Again, like just continuous reinforcement of the themes of the game. Um, I do like, so the wounding value, all right, going through it. So bonus dice are square pips next to the attribute. A roll will consist of the stated attribute pips in addition to the bonus dice pips. Um, and then the wounding value is how much wounds per knock, which is really interesting. So weapons can hit fucking hard, right? So the wounding value on the slice rifle is a three. So every knock you get is three damage. So if you get three knocks, that's nine damage being put out by this. Um, I don't know. I I, I forget how many um, uh, uh, HP or how many wounds people have at the beginning. It's all your stats plus four times your con. Well, I guess that's a lot yeah. because you got like... I mean, this, this definitely seems like a higher end gun though. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so especially like the malfunction threshold. I think being so being just one, I think that 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 kind of represents that. Oh yeah. So uh, the malfunction threshold is the volatility of the weapon. If enough ones are rolled, roll on the malfunction threshold. So if you roll a single one on this weapon, you immediately have to go to page three sixty. Be nice if that was hyperlinked. Um, and um, uh, roll on the malfunction threshold table. Um, yeah. And then the ammo capacity is how much you have. So actually, I just want let's shoot on down to page three sixty, uh, which is page thirty six. But yes. um, just because it's here, so this is you know what? Actually, we're not going to do that. There's a whole section for that later. We'll we'll get to that. Um, Oh man, I keep forgetting how dense this game is. We're like a third of the way in and like an hour and we'll probably yeah. cruise a little faster. But um, so then getting into, so we'll, we'll talk about malfunction threshold later, but basically uh, weapons hit hard, but can malfunction really quickly. And then you roll and it could be bad. So enemies and monsters, uh, we talked about this. When sweet talking and bribery fails, sometimes a denizen becomes an enemy um, and enemies in dead halt have a line of stats a hotel uses. So enemies have pips indicating the dice they roll for an attack their wound value, their armor value, their current wounds, their wound threshold, and their harming allocations. So they also have a nice little character sheet. Um, and I love the way that the narrative is put into the harm on this. So harming allocation is the only selection we have not already covered in either introduction, da da da. So as an aid to role playing and story, enemies have an allocation of body parts that are harmed as the wounds on them increase. I mm -hmm. fucking love that so much. Yeah. So the example in me here is it looks like a, a it's a cord collector. So it's a thing all made of cords. It's got a whip, a shock and a tangle. It's got wound values for each. It's got the pips for each. It's got the wounds, the wound thresholds, everything. But to the right is a whole list. Three, five, eight, 10, 15, 20, 28 and 35. And then things that happen. Um, and the example given here is really great. It says, the cord collector is the example. If the enemy reaches its wound threshold, it is completely destroyed, right? However, if it is only dealt three wounds, the harming allocation indicates that a cord falls off of it. So next to three on the side is drops cord. Um, uh, therefore, over the course of battle, enemies will pro progressively get more beat down. If 15 wounds are dealt in one hit, 
right? So on the side, there's a three, five, eight, 10, and 15. So it says, um, uh, the court collector um, screeches out while vibrating, glowing, and expanding. Because at three, it drops cord. At five, it expands. At eight, it vibrates. At 10, it eyes glows. And at 15, it screeches. Such a fucking fantastic way to narrate combat for a bad guy. I It's so fucking smart. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool um, to do it this way. And normally, I think I would probably be like, let me let me narrate let me let me as the the hotel manager come up with my own idea um because i think that in some in some games with their stat blocks for their enemies they they may give you a detail like screeches out while vibrating glowing and expanding however that's just what they wrote as the example on the actual thing it just says screeches and they're just basically just super simple prompts that you can use to create your own your own ex- explanation of what is actually happening there, which I think is great. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's super clever. I mean, when you can when you can go online and find tables of just like here are 10 things that happens when you slash somebody so you can narratively do it or whatever. This is such a, a, a nice way to have it right in front of you. Um, you don't have to use it. You know, but it, it's cool that it's there um, and it's nice that this got this like levels of beat down. So yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. I think as a as a as an HM, it would be fun to write up bad guys and, and just be like, you know, how can I create that? How can I make this thing fall apart? You know. Yeah. Um, so combat is part of role playing in Dead Halt. Don't stop role playing just because combat's happening. Make it a mini game. Go for it. Um, and enemies in the hotel also run away, which is fine. Things can run away. So can you. Um, and as they said earlier, enemies can sometimes become friends. So who knows? Um, and then we're getting into the elevator and the floors. So this is really like how, like, what's what's the point? So um, this is the point. Otherwise, unless otherwise thematic for the current mission or story, every floor in the hotel has one entrance, the elevator. I love that. Um the elevator is a hex-gated lift in the corner of the fall bar. The elevator has no call buttons, but is operated by a small elevator attendant with a large lever. Yeah, it is. The attendant has a small orange light. It makes whirring mumbles to acknowledge the crew. Uh, when told a floor to travel to, it will grab hold of the lever and it will go. Um, the elevator is intended to separate each floor into its own individual module. So most of the time, the adventures will be one floor you won't be necessarily floor hopping i guess unless you break through the floor into the one below it um and i really love this kind of it says it's a multi-dimensional gate in an more so than like an elevator in an actual hotel and i love that i love that you can do literally like you can go i think at one point it says you open the gate and it's literally a swamp you know like it's, it's so cool. I the this the the concept for the setting is just it's just so fucking cool. Um, it's something that I I had never seen before. Uh, you know, and I just thought it was such a neat. That's one of the reasons why I brought it up in the first place. It's just like you know, game aside, it's just the setting itself is just so cool, and yeah. it, it just wants you to play it. 
It's it. That's yeah. how I feel when I when I'm reading this. It just wants you to play the game. Yeah, and it gives these. There's these four examples of like you know how to do things. If the characters are getting too comfortable, the elevator opens to a pitch black floor with eyes around every corner. If they're feeling adventurous, it opens to a landscape with a castle under siege. Um, if they're trying to renovate the fall bar, it opens to a bustling scrapyard during a totaling junk market. Um, and then if the characters have all day to journey beyond the bar, um, it opens to an entirely to an entire RPG model from another game. Because why not? Because if you really want to, yeah. you know, go to uh, go to the keep on the borderlands, the elevator will about, open to it. I was about to say Barrowlands, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which may work, uh, honestly. Yeah, and I, I really like the breakdown of like how to how to run an adventure. So, so when the elevator doors opens, it's beneficial to immediately give a conflict or point of curiosity. So don't open it to nothing. Give them something to look at or something to do. Um, and then the elevator may bring the crew anywhere, allowing you to borrow setting any settings you want, which is fantastic. It says reading Neuromancer, send them through a section of Neo Hotel's grifters, like, and then a bunch of other examples. You get it. It's smart. You can do whatever the fuck you want, which is so smart because that means there's endless fucking possibilities. Yes. Like you never have to wait for an adventure to come out for this because you can do anything you want. Yeah. Um, when planning a job for your players, we suggest that you don't ever decide what the players will experience in their adventures. Instead, plan a session by starting with these guidelines, then let the players dictate the rest. Don't be a storyteller. It is yeah. not your job to write a novel and then have the players play your characters in it. Give them a goal, give them a setting, and then let them do whatever they fucking want to do. Yeah. That is like that is I, I don't know if I would call this an OSR game, but that to me is like the like the the it's a it's a it's a core, right? Do, the world is not balanced to you. You have a goal. Go do your best. Try not to fight because fighting is bad for you. Like uh, it's it's uh, yeah, yeah it certainly it certainly is starting to sound more and more like an OSR game, isn't it? Right. <laughs> At least, at least has a lot of the principles of the OSR, the Principa sure. Apocrypha kind of bits. So, yeah. um, breakdowns of this. It says, Duren gives him a job leading to a specific floor with a singular goal. Put a conflict in the path to getting there. Open the elevators to a curious floor they may not have expected. Add in an unrelated distraction they may choose to explore. If they choose to be distracted, let it help or hinder their primary objective. Throw in some conflict on their journey. Give them a satisfactory conclusion to their quest. And let them bring back the news or object to drain for profit. You could you could break this down, you know, take out drain, take out elevator, and just have this as, like, how to write an adventure, right? Yeah, Literally. Really. Give them a goal, right? Set them on their path. Put conflicts on their path. If they're distracted, have it help or hurt their primary goal. Give them conflicts along the way. Give them a satisfactory conclusion and then let them get back so they can get their reward. Yeah. And even then, you, like they give you these short little examples under each of those like headers and they, which is even better for like, especially someone who may be picking this game up it's probably not your first role-playing game but it may be the first time you're going to be writing an adventure or coming up with a concept for an adventure to run as your first time running it running one of these types of games and the examples there give you okay this is how much information i really need for this this is i need a little bit more information for this part kind of thing when you're when you're thinking about how to craft that and i think it's really well written yeah it's so well written like it's yeah, so it's, it's, 
extremely good. Like, I know we're harping on this a lot, right? For for everyone out there, but this game as a game is so well written. Like, despite the setting, despite like all the rest of it, just the amount of information given, the way in which it's presented to you, and then the ease in which it's um, parsed and the reinforcement it's constantly given people this this is how to write a fucking game yeah like, i agree i'm i'm slightly jealous i'm not gonna it's lie. good it's so fucking good uh so uh magics we're getting into magics magic's interesting it's a little bit different um there's a whole page here with a great graphic great little layout on the side that says magics um uh, a whole uh, like a, an immediate example of play on how the magic works and honestly just by reading it you understand it so um the uh the heat machine sits in the doorway it holds your friend bonnie by the head like a rag doll and a twisted mass of cords and wires sam's leg is trapped under the heap and he has since blacked out you stand alone friday what do you want to do what do you what do, what do you do friday what do, what do we do uh your maintenance your maintenance in this scenario um page 160 yeah no i'm looking at it uh just read the maintenance section oh my bad i bro i'm i'm looking at the top <laughs> paragraph and i'm trying to think what i do my brain is fried right now uh i got four pips in knowledge and a spell in mind let's see if the winds of magic are in my favor today Six, six, five, and a three. Okay, that's 20. Radfolk's quirk gives me an extra plus two, and my staff item gives me an extra plus three for 25 in total. HM, that's some powerful hoopla right there. Can I turn off the gravity for a bit? Uh, I don't see why not. The heat begins to separate. Bits of its corroded plates start to raise off their settled positions. Sam floats free, and Bonnie is now in a jumble of weightless wires. Better act quick. All this is going to come crashing down soon. Great example of play. Um, great way to uh, explain how the system works. And it basically tells you right off. You get all your successes. You add them up together to get a total number. So this is different than how anything else works, which I love because magic systems should feel different than how everything else works. Yeah. But so basically it says attuned to the natural ebb and flow of the hotel. Um, you can feel an ocean of energy within the air, a current of waves beyond the tuning range of any radio. This is the magics. In order to cast magics, roll with dice equal to a crew member's knowledge pips. Add up the resulting numbers as well as any item or origin bonuses strictly referencing magics and reference the sum on the following chart. Easy fucking peasy and bolded for a reason. So you instead of each success being a um, a knock that will deal damage. You literally roll pips equal to you roll dice equal to the pips on your knowledge plus any bonuses, and you take the total number, which is a really really clever way to keep using the same system and add in something like this. Um, so it gives you from one to thirty six plus with examples of each. And I love how it breaks it down. Um, and I do like the gradations in this one. It's similar to the successes on Knox in yeah. the way it's broken down into gradations. But I think with magic, I love the amount of these. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, one through three, a fizzle of sparks, and then a bunch of other examples. Four through eight, move a small object a foot. Nine through 15, create a hole in a wall or shoot a ball of flame. 16 to 24, absorb an attack, hurl a bolt of lightning, create a wall of energy. 25 to 35, freeze time for a moment, mend anything broken, command a creature, a creature, open a rift in the floor. 36 plus, remove something from existence, rewind a moment in time, open a two-way portal, like warp a creep. Like, I love the level of gradations in this. Create and I think a second that, hotel. Is that, was that create? No. No, no, oh, I just was saying like, that's what I oh my that's God. what I would fucking do. I oh, would just man. create a second hotel. I'm Durain now. <laughs> you you the new Durain. Um I, I I think this is a really, really clever way to use a dice pool system to um to give you actions and magic that yeah. feels like it makes sense together as if it was meant to go together. Really, really, really smart. Um I love it a lot. I love it. I think Hunter would love the shit out of this system, and I need to remember to remind him because he loves dice pool and magic, and I just think this is such a clever way to do both. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we get to defying death. Really, there is no death in the system. Like you, you, you just kind of don't. So life in a hotel is tough. Each crew member has a wound threshold, which is equal to their total number of attribute pips um, plus their constitution times four. If your wounds are ever equal to your wound threshold, roll a D6 on the back of your ID card. Congratulations, that body part is mangled beyond repair. Don't worry, no staff personnel can die in the hotel as the state-of-the-art 1980s cybernetics will make sure that every crew member is back up to peak physical condition. When faced with loss of a percentage of your body, maintenance crew can simply shout MedCon and a licensed medical console or MedCon will be dispatched to their location. Um, there's an example. It says a console burst from the ceiling caught by its servo arm just before hitting the floor. A red cross adorns its side as green words flicker on its screen. Would you like to be healed? Two large red buttons below its screen are etched with the letters Y and N. Um, and if you go on the next page, it's like a whole half page illustration of the console on a servo arm um, asking for that. I fucking love this. I think this is so clever. Again, reinforces the setting. Um, and uh, it's a system in which you really don't die. Eventually, you just have to, you just retire your character because they become too uh, mechanized. But I, I love this idea that literally in the middle of combat, you hit your wound threshold, you roll a d6, servo jumps in, rips you out of combat. It's basically, I think it's for, for two rounds, gives you a cybernetic replacement for whatever got injured, and then chucks you back in. I love it. I think it's adorable. Like, I don't even know what other word to describe it than that. Like, it's fantastic. Um, so uh, the crew continues their fight above uh, and two rounds go by as you are recovered um, and you roll on the mod table to get your upgrade. Um, mark the mod on the back of your ID card by crossing out the lost limb and noting its new modded abilities. That's where there's two sheets to the ID card. I love that. Um, they give you an enhanced ability and a function, um, uh, much like an item's malfunction threshold, mods are prone to glitches though. Um, and there is a glitch threshold on page 370 of a modded limb is two one. So anytime you roll two ones, your cybernetic glitches out and it applies to any roll made while using the mods enhanced ability bonus or function. 
I think it's great. I fucking love this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I really like it. And I like that you're just kind of like, uh, I love that mods are prone to glitches because instead of just dying, it's almost like an injury with a weird bonus, but it could not necessarily be a bonus, just an uh, like an alternate thing that you might be able to do. But they, if it just keeps happening, you're just going to keep consistently, your character will be changing and you're also slowly becoming more prone to just getting fucked up. <laughs> Just, yeah. just, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, again, I feel like this is a, a perfect example of of uh, continuously um, uh, reinforcing the concepts of the game. Right, you're not going to die, right? Um, but um, weapons are prone to malfunctions. Weapons can help you in big ways, right? You get cybernetics, which makes sense in the in the concepts of the game. The cybernetics will help you, which is a reinforcement of the concepts in the game of like be a fan of the player. Like you yeah. you you reach your wound threshold. Here's the little here's a little bonus for you. But like you said, it glitches out, which feels like the the weapons, which is you get this thing that can help you a ton, but it can also hurt you. Not hurt you, but like be a negative in what will probably be fun ways. Like it's just yeah. Oh my gosh, I love, I just, I, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. So there's a breakdown. Um, there is a uh, narrative um, for an example of play, which can never be enough of those. Thank you. And then, and then a numbered breakdown of what it actually means. Again, God. Uh, uh. So when a crew member reaches a wound threshold, two rounds of actions goes by as they're modded. On the back of their ID card, roll a d6. On the mod table, um, roll a d6 for that limb determined its function. And then fill in the fifth pip on the attribute, the mod enhanced. So you only get one for each one. And the ID card already has that labeled so you can remember and then write down what it is. So if a crew member fills in their sixth mod on their ID card, they suffer a dead halt. This is that, that, that meme with Leonardo DiCaprio from that Tarantino movie where he like sits up in the chair and is like, ah, da, 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 da. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one. Um, we talked about in the beginning, love seeing the title in the game somewhere. Um, when I was reading it, that's exactly what popped in my head. I was like, ah, 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 ah. That's, that, that's the title of the game right there. So a dead halt is when you have modded your body uh, or your body has been modded to the point of you're basically a metal man now, right? You're yeah. a metal person. Like you're just completely replaced by cybernetics that glitch constantly. So I love that. Alternatively, if at any point a character believes they are overwhelmed by the mechanical echoes of Fortress Winternet, they can optionally declare themselves dead halted and become clunkheads. And clunkheads run off into the darkness of the hotel and are lo no longer controlled by a player. So you become uh, a denizen of the hotel. You are a clunkhead cybernetic thing. And that's that's it. Um, and only prosthetics manufactured by the hotel count towards the mod limit. So um, that is really that is that is the rules of the game, right? We're yes. gonna do we're gonna do the character origins and stuff like that. But there is a um, there's a pretty dense but fantastic, literally like history of the hotel. And I'm not gonna read this entire thing, but I will summarize it as I read quickly through it. So long story short, the hotel has existed for a really long time um, and has gone through some renovations. Some in 1988, or some in 1888, some in 1976, some in 1984. But in 1984, 
Fortra was born. F-O-R-T-R-A. This is a secondhand supercomputer um, reprogrammed with state-of-the-art DOS software, which cracked me up, coursing through its veins, um, and ex extended its reach throughout the hotel, converting the LAN, um, converting over the LAN winternet. Fortra ran the place um, with his omnipresent abilities, not unlike a god uh, for an extended period of time, but ultimately Fortra was forgotten about um, and became a hidden puppet behind the consoles that interacted with the rest of the hotel. Uh, during uh, development in the 1980s, um, floors began changing and the hotel became something else. Fortra silently turned the megastructure into an endless tower of curiosities. In the 90s, no one remembered Fortra was there. The hotel had contorted under its design um, and Fortra itself became a myth of sorts. And the long-lived bartender Drain began to hire maintenance staff to make sure that the place ran smoothly after all the alterations to, uh, Fortra was doing. Um, some say Gad was one who at last found Fortra again. Gad is a character we'll talk about a little bit. Or perhaps some supercomputer simply ran out of memory. But in 1992, Fortra went offline. The internal network Winternet shut down, as so did every other console that was attached to it. And over the next few years, the consoles were developing quicks, uh, quirks and going mad. Um, Many of those that find themselves fixed by the cybernetic enhancement of the hotel begin to speak about the whispers they hear in the airways. Um, and it is often those whispers, which could be from Fortra, um, that uh, cause the clunkheads to lose their way around the hotel. Um, Durain continues to recruit maintenance crew who wander into the bar to help with all of the fallout of Fortra's um conversion of the hotel into this weird wacky place and um the the consoles and clunkheads attached to it so that is a breakdown of the history of the hotel i when i first read this i wondered if this would be good in the beginning and then i was like no i think this is the perfect place for it because we understand fortra we understand clunkheads we understand how everything runs this mm -hmm. is a perfect and fantastic place to put the narrative of the hotel and again the setting dude the setting yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's very good and it's just before you get into the actual like the more the depth of like the uh the lore of the various uh origins and different and the denizens of the hotel so it's it's a real i think it's a perfect place for place for it yeah for sure i and it's so it's it's so good it's so i i love it i think it's so smart like so well written and narratively just the whole setting, like you said, uh, you just fall in love with it all over again. As soon as you read that, you're just like, oh, God, so good. Um, yeah. So chapter two, Tales from the Bar. It's got origins and denizens. Um, again, no hyperlinks. But um, so origins are basically who you are, right? Um, it is your quirks. It's everything like that. And then each uh, there there are a list of what they are, right? So you can be human, rat folk, blank slate, Zon eighty, goblin, toadling, or spawn. We're not going to go through all of them. Why don't you pick one, and I'll pick one, and we'll kind of give a little breakdown of those. Oh, the Zon eighty easily is going to be the one I'm going to pick. Oh, um, all right. Um, I'll go, go with uh, I'll go with spawn. Okay. So we'll, we'll kind of go in depth in those a little bit to give you a breakdown of, of the other ones as we go through. So humans are humans, just like every, they get they get one in everything, um, and then and then four bonus because we're super adaptable and that's who we are. Great graphic. Rat folk are rat folk exactly like you think they are. Um, they get bonuses and knowledge plus two on magic rolls, 
Blank Slates are another one I almost thought about because I really love them. Failed genetically modified clone replacements. Um, but they couldn't get the faces right, so they just don't have faces, and I love that. So in order to differentiate themselves, they're elaborately and ornately dressed. I fucking love that. Um, and that gives them a bonus to their armor. And then Zon 80. Why don't you why don't you read through Zon 80 and tell me why you love the Zon 80? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's apparent, but uh the <laughs> The few consoles built before the installation of Fortra are a curious bunch, unable to connect to Winternet. They were never under the control of the supercomputer and therefore have kept their free will. With the advent of the new consoles rendering them obsolete, many older Zon 80s join maintenance crews or set off on their own. Uh, it has a bonus for called Circuit Breaker. You can choose all mods instead of randomizing when you make your character. And it's got a very high... Uh, focus i think uh well i mean the obvious reason i picked it is because it's just it's just the coolest one but um i also really liked because uh it's another example of the creator of the game putting themselves putting their fictional character that they've created for their their company in the game too it's there's another example up higher i don't remember where it was exactly i think it might have been in one of the in one of the ex like example texts talking about stealing from the zonware corporation um and I, I that that like is a great the fourth wall stuff is is awesome when it comes to um this kind of writing and i don't think any i don't i don't really know anybody else that really does this kind of thing and i just think it's so cool and to have one of the origins be kind of like the person who wrote the game and like all that stuff tied in i just think it's a, it's a really cool way to write in general but also it's it. a fucking flying computer with arms and a gun and it's holding a gun <laughs> Like it's, a, it's just fucking awesome. The illustration is fucking fantastic. And I love that. Yeah. The cool, I, I, I love when like a computer screen is a face because it can just like be something else, you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, and yeah, yeah. Th that's a, that's a really fantastic one. I, I do really love the Zion 80. Um, I also imagine like, I don't know, like tracks in the hotel where the, the, the yeah, consoles yeah, yeah. can just like zoom down the middle of the tracks and stuff like that. Um, that's great. Um, goblins are uh they're goblins they're smart witty quick-witted they get plus two to carrying capacity toadlings are little literally toad people the graphic has them in a very kind of like um asian inspired outfit um with the um uh brimmed hat the stilted uh sandals um and lucky toad gets plus 10 to all kosh upon rolls and then of course I went and spawn because I'm an edgelord piece of shit. So spawn <laughs> are the underlings of old, old Mr. Scratch from the hotel's underbelly spawn are tough as rocks from the forgotten pipes that extend into the domain under the hotel spawn can summon the collected sport artifacts from Mr. Scratch's personal collection to help them when the going needs a baseball bat or two. So it's straight up a fucking demon and it can summon fucking weapons and shit is what it says. I love this infernal souvenir summon a strength plus two um, wound uh, wounding value to item. 
um, and they get bonus and con. So they 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 have a lot of wounds um, because it's four times con in your wounds plus your attributes and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, you could throw another pip in a con, max that shit out, and 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 get going. But I love the graphic here too, where it's literally this like badass fucking demon but he's wearing like short shorts um and uh he's just reaching his hand out and pulling out this like kind of like cybernetic like bat but it also has like a blade stuck in the end of it i don't know I, it's 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 a great illustration the, i really love it a lot that is the bat is materializing it That's is a ap- post-apocalyptic bat with like blades and stuff but it's in in the middle of materializing in his hand which is yeah just really cool as an illustration and also the upside down crosses on the tongues of his shoes are fucking fantastic oh my Uh, god (laughs) the illustrations throughout this entire book are so fucking good like i don't know and mr scratch i i thought i recognized that so i did google it and it is a nickname for the for the devil oh yeah yeah old scratch I I I i was like why does that sound familiar but Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. Old Scratch is definitely straight up the fucking devil. So yeah, I I love that beneath the fucking hotel is just the fucking devil, it's and the spawn just kind of like comes in and is yeah. like, hey, and then he's like, hey, buddy, let me just uh, summon this artifact from your private shit. Like I I I, I really love that. Um, I would definitely straight up play a fucking spawn. We've already yeah. got two of our characters. We like we just need like one or two more, and we'll just play this game. So um, getting into the denizens, this is your NPCs and whatnot of the hotel. We'll just do a quick breeze through them. So um, they're not evil for any reason necessarily. There's no monster manual. There's no nothing like that. Enemies can be friends. Friends can be not. So first one you get is Durain. And um, I I really I really like Durain. I like, he's such a great main character. Um, he stands quietly behind the bar. Um and uh, he is the front of the house guy. He runs everything. Um, it's interesting, though. The only thing indicating Drain's past is the left hand. He still hides beneath the black glove, the last remaining piece of his humanity, which tells you so much. Yeah. Um, he is a calm metal man that cares deeply for those he employs and speaks enthusiastically and charismatically to all he meets. That's all you need to know to role play this dude, right? But we talked about how you become a clunkhead. Mm-hmm. Right. And how when you become a clunkhead, you're you're just fucking gone. Right. So Durain is a guy running the hotel basically right now. And he's one left hand away from being a clunkhead. He's probably hearing the whisperings of Fortra. Right. And he's still keeping it all together. The complexity and depth of Durain in very few sentences is so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you uh, when you return to the 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 history of the hotel, and you think mm-hmm. about like the fact that he's keeping the maintenance crew and keeping the hotel running, like knowing this about him and knowing the history and what he's doing with the hotel, like what are his motivations? Why why right. is he? Like, what, yeah, it gives you so much to like think about, to assume. You can create your own story about Durain if you wanted to, like with just the little pieces you've been given. Like it's very cool. It reminds me of the way that Dark Souls writes its uh its itemization and all of its history is like hidden in little bits here and there and items and things. And I think that that little sentence there is so easy to skip, but mm-hmm. it gives you so much information about this character. Yeah. 
if I ran this like numerous times, I would definitely drop tiny Duran lore throughout mm -hmm. so much shit. Yeah. He used to have um, a goat. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> you find his robot soul patch. See if you can yeah, plug yes. it back in. Um, uh, so uh, consoles, we talked about consoles and what they are and everything like that. So this is another consoles of the workforce of the hotel. Um, uh, so we, we already talked about them a little bit in the in the story. But, you know, it's basically like Zon 80s, but the ones that were attached to the internet. Clunkheads also exist. We talked about them. They are the dead halted um, uh, maintenance crew people. Love this illustration. I really, really love this illustration. Um, it shows all of the mechanized cybernetic bits, like the one dude like leaning back, like just yeah. all of the art. It's like the Tin Man from from fucking Wizard of Oz with light bulbs in his head, just like right. Yeah. So fucking good. Um, Gad, uh, Gad, Kate. Gad and Kate are two of the other like actual named NPCs because everyone else you're gonna find a bunch of clunkheads you're gonna find a bunch of consoles we'll talk about blibs in a second but Gad is interesting um, Gad is working Gad was working for the bartender for a long time um, one of the only true humans to have survived as a maintenance crew for a long time um, he uh, previously an average businessman it seems Gad found their freedom within the hotel a timeless friend of Durang Gad stopped working or cruise years ago but never left the hotel he occasionally does a task or two but ultimately has many of his own ventures in his mind vehemently against replacing his body with cybernetics Gad has worked tirelessly to keep his humanity intact however the flowing mane of raven feathers occurred regardless a story for another day Gad carries around his grandfather's axe, of which both the handle and head have been replaced many times over. So it's literally a dude with a raven head mm -hmm. carrying around his grandfather's axe, vehemently opposed to being a robot, but apparently not a bird person. Um, and it does not tell you why. It's interesting. Vehemently opposed to being a robot. Right. Vehemently opposed right. to having his body replaced. But his grandfather's axe has been replaced it is not it's not his grandfather's axe he it says both pieces have been replaced numerous times and he still calls it his grandfather's axe so yep. it's that's very interesting because to me that means that he he believes that no matter how far away you you go from your original self you still are that self but he's not willing to take that risk himself as a, in his own person no, that's what I that's what I read from that. I character development. Yeah, I love it. It's funny that Christian pointed the same thing out in the chat just at yeah. the same time you were saying that. It's it's so clever, dude. Like so <laughs> clever. Uh, Kate is another named character. So Kate is eleven years old, incredibly apathetic. Clearly, cut her own hair without her parents' knowledge, and one of Drain's most valuable maintenance crew members. Bartender signs off on her school's volunteer hours for the hotel's weekly soup kitchen. And it seems her teachers and parents are too lazy to check in. They have a, she has a pistol named Furious and a digital pocket pet named Piggles. She's adamant about taking care of Piggles um, and will make sure to feed it while you are trying to have any sort of meaningful conversation. Um, Gad has a particular fondness towards Kate's blunt get it done attitude and will always be there if she needs his help no matter what. Kate is the only ho Kate is only in the hotel during after school hours and might join up with the crew if she hasn't got anything better to do. 
some weird little girl with a with a with a gun in a pocket pet. With the gun just, and a Tamagotchi. <laughs> straight up. I it's great. Um last two denizens, uh Blibs. Um they believe to be once courier bots. They're little buggers scratched on the floor. They're basically like like a jug of jello on legs. Yeah. Um and um and yeah, and then you got the albatross, which God fucking damn this illustration! Like, mm-hmm. I would not want to turn the corner into whatever the fuck this is. I can't even like describe it to space. you. It does look very dead yeah. spacey, like it's straight up yeah. fucking like so hardcore alien. It's it's insane. Um, due to its unknown origin and infrequent sightings, the albatross is somewhat of a hotel legend. Um, it is an intelligent beast that can trick the eye, flicker in and out of reality, and twist words with the silver tongue. Um, some say that you can see the afterlife while looking into the blinding light emanating from its skull, while others insist that its light is only to distract you as it reaches out to steal your soul. These all might simply be rumors, and even Gad has a fanatical vendetta against the albatross for reasons he never seems to explain fully, perhaps this beast isn't all that bad after all. Like, where do I go with that? Right? The There's open so many end- <laughs> Like, the, uh, is it bad? Yeah. Is it good? What is it? Like, why doesn't Gad like it? Like, what the fuck? You know? It's like, fortunate. Like, <laughs> what if, you know? Like, right? It is. It is. It is for. It is one of the successful uh, uh, clones. Mm-hmm. The blank slate tried to be, and this is Fortress Insanity, like made flesh. Like I yeah. love the Albatross. It's so fucking good. So that's origins and everything. Um, then we get to a fantastic graphic here of a Gashapon machine. I God, I love it. I love yeah. everything about it. So uh, this is the charts. So we might do a couple rolls on this, but we'll cruise through this pretty quickly. But this is the Gashapon mods expanding the fall. Uh, functions, glitches, uh, and then two arcs, and then we're pretty much done. So this is the Gashapon list. So the more gold the crew puts in, the higher the chance of receiving something remarkably wonderful. When using Gashapon, roll a d6, then add the gold placed into the machine to the roll. Pull the giant lever, listen to the wildly ear-piercing noises, watch the blinding, serving lights, and gear up for your new item. The Gashapon allows one free play a day per crew member. All projectile weapons come with exactly five ammo. So you get gold to buy Gashapon, but everyone every day can take a rip on the Gashapon machine. Yeah, it's great. I love that. I I love items so much. It is my favorite thing about role-playing games more than anything else, more than the storytelling, more than the combat, more than anything. I love using shit in weird ways to solve the problem that is set before me. And the fact that they've not only given you this enormous list of things that you can get, but also built in the use of items in such a fun and helpful and useful way in the actual game rules is just the best. It's just the best. It's so, so fucking good. And so there's a, there's a D there's a D 100 list here, right? Um, all of these items, but they can be found on zoneware.net, including descriptions and stats if you don't want to create your own. I love that it's here. Do what you want with it. Um, didn't take up the space in the book, but has the website available for you to go check it out. Um, yeah. And I also like that it's it's really because it's D6 plus gold. Um, the lower the number, the less quote unquote helpful it is and the higher number, the more helpful it is. Right. So like 
number one is literally a cat a cadet badge number two is a rabbit's foot but then you start hitting like 61 is an energy cell 95 is a growth ray what are those things Romy? what ro do you have a d100 or two d10s yeah, or something what do you course. got uh i rolled a 96 oh damn the knowledge not what is a knowledge eater got ideas baby <laughs> that's what i'm saying ideas. i rolled uh i rolled a uh 87 um a bumble chuck <laughs> fuck is a bumble chuck like ah so good but then there's just the most random shit on here right so like yeah. uh coin operated dragonov like oh there's a roller on oh, the shit. website, on website right hold on yeah we're gonna have to bring up the website to go through that when we go uh, here in a little bit but cursed axe old robot head piston knee slap track phase pistol i mean sword of samuel like a little like it's so good it's so fucking good um the pinnacle of automated gear distribution for every uh hotel maintenance crew the gashapon machine is a massive item vending machine that sits on the subfloor one right next to the ice machine <laughs> Uh, item distribution decisions used to be orchestrated by Fortra, but now um, they are random. I love that. And then there's a whole giant, like three quarters of this page is just various items that you could get from the Gosh Bond machine. Yeah. So good. Um. So what what did they say that your uh, 98 is a God's hand? So, uh, someone's, uh, the, the references throughout this really, really get me. Um, what did you get again? The, 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 the knowledge, knowledge eater. eater. Are there yeah. stats for the knowledge eater on there? I'm looking on here. Uh, their website is amazing because it's, it's a 1990s website. Um, so, so I'm trying to navigate it. Uh, oh, my computer's not even letting me go to the website. It might be, it might be because, oh my God, this website is incredible. I can't believe I've not actually been on this website. Uh, okay. You have to go to join at the bottom. If you load the website. I don't even have that option. It literally just says the connection for the site is not secure. It is an invalid response. Oh shit. All right. Let's see. Uh, so mine was the knowledge eater. All right, so plus four knowledge reduces knowledge by one pip of anyone within 10 feet of the object. Whoever carries knowledge eater gets plus four knowledge. And then it's got a little text here. Creepy and permeates uneasy emotions. Incredibly powerful drawing from those around it. Uh, you might want to try what 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 browser are you using? Uh, I'm using the edge browser. Oh, okay. I, I have Opera and it popped up for me, so I'm not sure if... Uh... Let's try Chrome. Chrome lets me do it. Yeah. Man, Microsoft really... Oh my god, the website is amazing. Dude, okay, we'll, we'll... We'll... Okay, alright. Well, now I have to... Now we're taking a... Now we're... Now we're... Now we're going to the website, people. And then we'll continue with the rest of it. So let me... Let me click to a... Uh... Let me kick to um, a website page here um, and go to 
You gotta click join at the bottom. All right. I want to give the full experience here, though. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's the website. Wow, I love this. It's got. So for those in uh, podcast land, uh, come come look at the, go to the zonware.net. Welcome to the hotel. Please enjoy your stay. Um, it's got like like links to all of the different things, and then yeah, so it's got home history, uh, history of the hotel, the winter net, which is great. Downloads. Oh, I it's booting like it's DOS. Oh my fucking god, zonware, yeah. my you're blowing my fucking mind here. Um. So there's the gosh upon download section. If you want to go to the downloads, um, join, join the crew. Oh, uh, and then you can actually, uh, be on the email list. There's a guest book. I, God, this brings back so many fucking random ass, like pre MySpace trying to build out your Zanga page, like memories right now. It's, it's, oh my God. Um, so, uh, quick, quick, quick break from the game here to check out this website. Um, go to the gosh upon, uh, not now. So, uh, here we go. It literally is just a fucking massive list of all of the different various gosh upon, um, red bone, the chucklehead, uh, Me, let's get it. Yeah, let's zoom all the way in for this. I had the beholder fist boot. What did I say that I had? I had the um, 80s. the bumble chuck. Yeah, truck. what a and you know, the other thing too is these are uh, these are definitely printable as cards, a hundred percent printable as cards. Yeah. Um, what appears to be a jack in the box with its crank handle removed, locked with chains, and covered in police tape that says do not open, and at the bottom it says contains. Capital the end. Well, that's a way to end the campaign. And then um you had what the knowledge eater? Yeah, the knowledge eater. <clears throat> uh redu it looks like a uh it's one of those like the wind up jaws that clack they clack. Um, reduces knowledge by one pip of anyone within 10 feet of the object. Whoever carries knowledge eater gets plus four knowledge. Creepy and permeates uneasy emotions. Incredibly powerful, though, drawing from those around it. These are fucking amazing. The God's Hand has an insatiable need to return to the God it came from. This is straight up fucking Vecna's hand. Like, we're aware of this. Um... Um, focus plus two, wound value five, um, um, malfunction two. If it thinks you're helping it return, uh, plus five versus focus to mind control you. If it thinks you're not, likes to ride on your shoulder, has a lot of tricks up it. Well, it's, it's just got a lot of tricks. Oh my God. This is amazing. And then the number 100. A trickster, a denizen in the hotel, locked away in the gosh pond by Gad. He immediately escapes and is out of sight in a flash. Um, it's the chucklehead, and it just says, uh-oh. These are 
amazing. This is one of the most amazing batch of items I've ever fucking seen. Dude, it's so cool. You get the amount of... Oh my god, it's so good. Alright, so... Um, let's cruise through... Free, by the way. And this shit's free. It for free. Amazing. The, the, the value score on this game is going to move through the fucking roof, is all I'm saying. Um, okay, so continuing on. So mods, right? So um, you get uh, D6 for D6 mods. So 36 different options, right? So, for example, if you replace your head, it could be with a memory drive. So what I love about all of these is that it looks like, for the most part... There is one for every stat, and one is doubled up for each. So on head, it's two knowledge. On torso, there's two con. On arms, there's two speed. And on legs, there's two strength. And otherwise, there's one for every stat. So it's not yeah. like just replacing your arms will give you, like just all strength or just all this i love that you have more than likely a chance because it's two of six you have a one in three chance of one that is, is thematic to the thing but head for example could be a recollection cap which uses knowledge to recall a name event key term or info that was forgotten great a nuclear aorta what is that uh, you add two more dice to your next strength roll on your nuclear aorta. Yeah. I'm just trying so to figure good. out what I would even what I would even say that that is, though. Like it's your aorta. That is. No, nuclear. no, no. I'm thinking about the nuclear part. Oh, 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 oh. Well, it's just <laughs> nuclear powered. It can be it can be yeah, small yeah. and still be nuclear. Um, Boolean biceps on a striking success make two attack rolls against one target. Yeah. Great, great. Oh, the turbo turnkey is what what uh, what uh, Friday had. Knock down any door. Period. Fantastic. So, um, expanding the fall, the fall will inevitably become the base of operations. If the players begin to delve further in the hotel, let them spend their hard-earned gold on the following renovations. Love it. Um, when it's paid for, uh, Drain's console will come out from behind the bar and begin to work on it. Um, some projects will allow for recovery items or wounds. Um, one distinction is to take note of is crew means once per the entire crew and character means once per crew member. Um, so renovations, a weapon rack, item chest, a micro gosh upon, um, an espresso machine, flesh printer. That's great. It's nanomites that removes a mod once per crew. So you could actually like peel back some of your cybernetics and give you back your flesh from the flesh printer, which is great. Um, and a hacked bar console on a Z on a Zon 80 disc, which unlocks yeah. Zon 80 console origin. Which is very fucking cool. Uh, yeah. Also, check out the Vendomatic real quick, though. It requires an albatross tier. Wow. Which is I, I, I love this because it's also giving you like loot concepts like yeah. like you know you oh can God. look at this okay an albatross dies it's gonna it's gonna is it gonna or it doesn't even die what if you make it sad what if you make it cry 
and you collect its tier. Like, you know, that's just it. Yeah, it's more shit that's making me happy. It's so good. It's so good. This whole game makes me really fucking happy. Um, uh, malfunctions are another way that a story evolves in Dead Halt when a malfunction threshold is reached on an item, such as rolling one or two ones on a dice roll when items. When using an item for a task, the item malfunctions by rolling 2d6. A crew member finds out what their uh, what affects their item permanently. So your items, these are I did, I completely forgot that these are permanent malfunctions on some of your items and stuff. So, um, you can roll. Okay, it's 2d6. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll up 2d6 and see what my malfunction is. All right, I want to do one too. I get a six and a one. Oh, I have to reroll because it's a six. I got a five and a one. So mine becomes liquefied and it bends and warps with use. <laughs> well, um, what'd you get? I got form switched uh, and uh, that means cosmetically looks like a completely different item, which is awesome. handy. These are all so good. Announcing rubbery household uh, organic. Embiggen is my favorite word. Uh, I've only heard it ever used like once before. I don't even think it's an actual real world word. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, oh no, it actually is. Okay, it's funny because I didn't I didn't know that it was yeah, actually to enlarge or grow. Um, yeah, but yeah, I love that word. Yeah, these are just amazing lists of things i mean organic like made of living breathing flesh and bone like so good so good um and then we got glitches glitches are bugs that modify your cybernetics when a mod glitches roll 2d6 and consult the table below uh so same thing why don't you roll up uh 2d6 and i'll roll up 2d6 and see what our cybernetic glitch is um i got a 25 which means mine is area effect Outcome is split evenly among all of the targeted party. Interesting. Cool. I got 24, so I got opposite day. Outcome occurs directly behind you. That's awesome. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, 53 hail fire. All beings in the area take one wound. Yeah. So good. And yeah. then, uh, then we get to the... Uh, I think there's two um adventures in here a good day to die again on floor 71 we don't read that we don't read adventures here by the fucking book and honestly by this goddamn fucking book yes, this is eight dollars on itch for the pdf um what we found on floor 54 is the next adventure um and then a whole page of like thank you and then um there is zonware uh Majri and emmer Sanillo. All with um, uh, with links out to their, I believe it's to their Twitter pages. And then in the back is a really great page here. Um, it is the ID card at the top um, and a quick reference page for everything you need for action rounds, um, uh, acting, attacking, a small glossary of terms, um, everything. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, fucking great, fucking game. So 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 fucking good. I mean, 
Oh, so Emerson is Horse Fiend in chat one of the uh, one of the the artists here? Because God fucking damn it! It looks it looks like it, yeah. Just so so good. The art throughout the entire thing is fucking amazing. Yeah, they did monsters. Okay, so the so this album. is so good. So it's this insane. is fucking Dead Hall. This is definitely, I know it's only like 40 plus ish pages, but this is easily big enough, dense enough with enough art to grade and review like a normal thing. So yeah. we're going to go through this again. Um, and, uh, uh, or we will go to our review of Dead Hall. So let me explain how it works, um, how we grade. Um, so we give a, there are a total of 50 points that you can get it's uh 10 points for five different things and this is what we we have decided um that uh are the important aspects of of games right or, or the book and the and the rules in the game itself so uh there is art and style which is specifically about the art um that is used in it the style of that art and the overall artistic style of the zine visually or the game visually and things like that, right? Um, it's a content, it's a quality of the art as well as the quantity of the art. It's a, it's a happy medium. And then the style. Layout and function. Layout is different than style. There, If there's a stylistic choices used in the layout, that is kind of part of style. But layout specifically is about readability, because um, it's layout and function. So it's about readability, navigability, um, the ability to parse things easily, hyperlinks, you know, uh, ribbons, those kind of things. Rule set and crunch is about the rules of the game. Is it um, an adapted rule set? If so, how well is adapted? Is it a unique rule set? How good is the rule set? And crunch is, do we feel that there are a appropriate amount of rules for the game, whether that's too many rules or not enough rules or just right? Um, originality is a very broad one. It's a little bit of everything mixed in with lore and setting and rules and like all of those things all together. It's just like how how new and unique does this game feel compared to other games? Is it just another edge lore dark game or, or is it something different? And value is not only how much the game costs, but what more you get. It's your bang for your buck. Is there expanded content? Is there third party licenses? Are there um, uh what else are there websites like what else do you get when you get this game um and we also score in relation to other games we've graded before so um uh, in the context of the 70 plus or or i think we're at like 50 50 plus games we've graded there is still like a relation to those right so um kicking it off with art and style um what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I'm I'm leaning up. I'm leaning towards an eight with this. I think that despite there not being a like a ton. Well, actually, I don't even know. I feel like I think now there's that I'm a decent fucking. There, there's a, a good lot of fucking art. art. Yeah. yeah, I guess I should say despite there being a ton of text, um, the art fills out the pages well it's where it needs to be um but it's good fucking art like it's just i i i love the fucking art in this especially the consoles i think the consoles are adorable um but also have this almost like malicious like like i don't know when i look at this this picture i'm just like is this malicious (laughs) 
<laughs> is it you we don't know we don't know um but no i mean i the, the overall style the 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 cover of this i think i don't know why it doesn't have it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with the game at all but the cover yeah yeah but it still makes me feel like it does like it feels perfect for the game even though it doesn't really look like Although now that I'm looking at it, maybe it does kind of give me that feeling of a hotel like elevator. I'm trying to think, but anyway, it's just it it gives you the vibe. Everything in here, I, I'm I'm going to give it an eight for my opinion because I just I think it's I think it's earned that. Gotcha. So um, so. Here's the thing. So in context to other games, what we look at a lot. So, right. So like 10 is basically like an art punk book to the point where it's almost hard to read it. Right. Like it is art is almost the focus of the game. We're, we're talking about things like um, Merkborg, like Warpland is really far up there with a nine. Um, it's those kind of things. Um, we I, I love the art. I love the fantastic. I think the cover, honestly, I would really, but you know what? I think what I'm thinking in my head is actually on the second zine. Is like I would love to see the console as cover art, but I'm pretty mm -hmm. positive Happy 1999 has the as art that I feel would also be great on this one, um, as opposed to just the circle. I love how simple and clean the front is, and I love that yeah. it's gold on the front. But if there was something a little bit more into the setting, I, I, I would be happy with it. Um, here's the thing. Art and style. We gave Slipgate an eight. Um, Andrew Walter's illustrations are insane. Color, yeah. cover, <laughs> like all of those kind of things. Um, Electrum Archive got a seven, and that's what this really reminds me of. Black and white art, a ton of it, yeah. really well done all throughout, those kind of things. Um, so uh, when I'm looking through what we give eights, what we give sevens, between quantity, quality, I think the art is fantastic. I love it. And it's not necessarily a knock on what it doesn't have, but like, oh, sure. I love black and white. I think it's great, but color, uh, you know, uh, you know, color dips it down a little bit. Um, I, to me personally, I think this is right around the seven mark compared to other games. No, I, now that you mentioned, um, our, the score we gave for, uh, for, Slipgate. Uh, Slipgate, yeah. you, you got me realizing. Yeah. Cause we, yeah. I mean, we had, we had been raving about Andrew's paintings for right two and, and like the, the cover and everything is, is so insane. Is full um, color and, that's, yeah. and that's what we talk about when we say, like, we try to be like, uh, we take other games into context, which means also we have gone back to previous games and raised scores because in the context of something, especially in the early ones we did, like added some points to Necronautilus and stuff because more games you read, the more you realize that something is like even better than you thought it was. Or I think we might have even dipped a couple scores down at times. Um, but to me, this this feels like a solid seven. I think the art style is fantastic, um, but you know, it's not it's not an art book or anything like that by any stretch yeah. of imagination. I think that's what I think that's about what feels good. Seven. Are you in agreement on the seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna be torn on layout and function here for a couple of reasons, right? Yeah. So. We talk about layout function as readability, the way in which it's laid out so that you can parse the information, the functionality, navigability, all those kind of things. So immediate, God fucking damn, I wish there were hyperlinks. Like it hurts my soul inside that there aren't. There's not. There's no hyperlinks. There's no bookmarks. There's no inline hyperlinks. There's no 
Um, but there are places to put them. So like everywhere it's like, if you need a piece of information that tells you where to find it, it'd be nice to click on it and find it. Especially like I said, in a tech game that also has links out to a website that is clearly extraordinarily well made. Um, it actually surprises me a little bit that there aren't hyperlinks um, or bookmarks in the in the zine. Um, uh, all of those would be fantastic. Hyperlinks on the index page, and then uh, even better yet, in on hyperlinks and hyperlinks on the chapter heading pages would be would set this thing off like fucking crazy, right? The zine is not big enough to have a ribbon. That's not really a knock anyway. That's always been considered a bonus for me. But yeah. so 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 we're automatically losing a couple points, kind of right there. But other than that, my fucking god, how well is this laid out? Well, dude, I'm I, so I have the book right here. Um, uh -huh. And I wanted to say, um, because do you, you don't have the book yet, do you? No, 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 no. Okay. I ordered it on the so, edge page. Right, right. So I wanted to say something that I had noticed while I was flipping through here is there isn't a bookmark or anything like that. No color. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you look at the pages that have the discs, they're very odd, like upon like just flipping through you're going to see this, the chapters immediately. And, uh -huh. and all that artwork is on the opposite page, which I think is, is great because it's, it's like one of those things. If you want to look for a section, you can look for the black, the giant black square and you, uh -huh. okay, stop. And then you can see, okay, where's the, the denizen it's at the end of this section. So I'm just going to flip to the end of the section. Gotcha. I think that yeah. that's a good way to kind of lay out the chapters in a way that almost feels like hyperlinks, but like in, in person, paper, like real right? life hyperlinks, yeah, or like page numbers right? and stuff, yeah. Um, so I, I think how would you even really do cool. IRL hyperlinks? Like a series of ribbons you just pull on that, I like, think take IRL, you to... IRL hyperlinks would be like what those big Bibles have, the like the cuts. Oh, like, like tabs, yeah. yeah. Like DCC. Uh, my oh DCC, my god! My you know, you know that memory you just unlocked that hurt my soul was like. Yeah literally getting my first set of bible tabs and sitting down and like tabbing all of my my oh god that hurts my soul um yeah but yeah you know uh like i said i mean you know gotta deduct points for not having hyperlinks it's 2023 or 1990 19 2019 when it was written other than that though strictly on like layout of the book the as you said the chapter headings are, are really obvious the the use of white and black the use of um bolds black bars i tell oh my god i bolds italics black bars the the um the way that art is put into the layout with readability there's not a lot of blank white spaces it's very dense but you don't realize how dense it really is until you've finished it and realize how much information they fucking gave you. I mean, this is one of the best laid out books I've ever read as far as just pure readability. Yeah, no, easily. I, I absolutely agree with you. Like as somebody who I said earlier, I struggle with reading. Like even when I'm on Adderall, it's still hard for me to read sometimes because of how bad my ADHD is. And I, I can parse this, the blocks of text, I can still parse them. And mm -hmm. something else I wanted to mention earlier that I thought was great, that is important, I think, when it comes to using bolds and italics, is only using them the first time that they're on the page. Yes. Um, which is, I think, 
uh, a big thing. I think in the Black Hack, they um, they they use bolds and italics a lot in that book, a lot. And I like it, but it's done way too much. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it's done perfectly in this because the first time on the page, you see the the word enemy, it's bolded when I'm on page uh, 12, 120. Um, and then after that, anytime the word enemy is there, except for in a full bolded block of text, it's not bolded, but now I, I, I can, I'm, my, my eyes are drawn to the word enemy, like immediately because it's, it's been burned into my retinas from this page. Right. And I think that's, mm -hmm. it's a great way to do, do your, your, uh, your accessibility writing when you're, when you're thinking about like how to, yeah. how to make your readers focus on something. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I love that. And the other thing I loved a lot was especially a great example. Of this is on page 30 with forming the crew where they have the strength, big black bar, measure of muscle, power, endurance, and vigor. That's where my eyes are going to go immediately when I'm making a character. What is this? But if you want more example of what that might mean, there's a smaller italic section right beneath it that gives you just a little bit more of what that strength might be in case you're really, there's something you're not sure if it's strength or if it's speed or whatever, you know, you, it helps you, you know I mean? I, I just love that. I love that. It's, it's, I, I agree. It's, it's so incredibly, the accessibility almost negates the navigability almost. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But so, so nothing will ever get a 10 because Troika gets a 10. I mean, Daniel yeah. Sell or, or I mean, the, uh, we, we talked about it over and over again. Not only are there hyperlinks and inland hyperlinks and literally every like paragraph is like numbered and like it's insane. And like each every page has links back to the chapter and everything like that. Impossible. Um, nines, we're talking about things that are like death in space where it's literally it's almost this. It's like hyperlinked up the ass, color coded by chapter, like all of those kind of things to me, like an eight feels good for this because if it wasn't as amazing as a layout, it would, it would, I would start at a seven and start subtracting yeah. just no, for, that's... just for hyperlinks and everything and not having those. This is going to be the, probably the best layout score I'd ever give for something that doesn't have hyperlinks. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's what I was thinking. Honestly, I was thinking, I would start in an eight, deduct points for not having the hyperlinks and such, and then just add points back because, like, of how good the layout is. Like, seriously. It's so good. It's, it's so... Just, it's excellent. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Like, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll beat this dead horse a little bit harder. For people that, for accessibility's sake, it's so fucking good. Like, yeah. made it so easy to read. Um, yeah. Okay, getting into rule set and crunch. So this is specifically about the rule set used in the game, the rolling and all those kind of things. Um, so the D6 dice pool system, um, wound values, wound like maintenance, like malfunction threshold, all those kind of things. Um, how do you feel about the rule set? What do you like or are there any parts that you don't like? So I, I'm... Uh... I'm kind of a fan of dice pools. I used to like mm -hmm. them a lot more. I don't like them as much anymore. Um, but I still, I, I really like the way that this, they use it in this game. I think it's extremely effective for what they're going for, uh, especially in a combat not suggested kind of system. Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, the only thing I, I would say from, and again, we kind of harped on this for a minute was the ex excessive success options. But then again, that's a playable, that's a playability thing. That's something we'd, we'd actually have to play to really feel out. Um, I feel like the complexity of the combat with weapons is both a plus and a minus at the same time. Like, I think it's, it's a minus from what I would give it because it's slightly more complex than the rest of the rules, but it's a plus because it's reinforcing the purpose of the rules. So it's, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm leaning, like I'm kind of in between a seven and an eight, as far as the rule set, because it's not crunchy. It's very easy to parse. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the rules really reinforce and feel like they are in the, the game. They kind of, they, they really draw the players into it. Like it's just like with everything else. It's just everything in this game is just reinforces itself. It's, it's excellent. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I th I think the reinforcement part is is was was the something that I was gonna bring up as the important part is that even even when you look at like uh, weapons, for example, how there is like a slight more complication to it. Really, it comes down to um, uh, just the the need for like the bonus dice, but the malfunction table as well, and and things like that. It's it's really not. I I think. It's incredibly uncomplicated in the context of rules, yeah. But yeah. it's just slightly more than some of the other rules because they're so easy. So yeah. it's kind of like it, it, it's it, in the context of the rules themselves. But I also don't think that there's really ever a rule in the game that's only ever used in one way, right? Yeah. So like I think the only one that really is like different is magic, which yeah. it fucking should be. But yeah. even the way that weapons are used, the um, enemy stats are very similar to the way that that's yeah. used. And the malfunctions you get for weapons are doubled up in the way that glitches work for your cybernetic enhancements and things like that, mm -hmm. which I think is a really extremely well weighted on. So there's nothing that ever feels like this part was tacked on for a reason. Every aspect of the rule set throughout is used in numerous, like, numerous times in different ways in the same way so there's never a rule in it as you read through that doesn't feel like it fits you know what i mean there's definitely times where i've read stuff before where i'm like okay i get that you're basically that's basically like a mini game that's just tacked onto it and I'm, it gets sense but like i don't feel like there's ever a rule where you just go okay, I could take that out and it would still work because it really wouldn't. This is so, yeah. and it's super fucking easy. It's dice yeah. pools based on the, the your stat values and then there are malfunctions for some of the things. It's yeah. so easy. It's so clean. Is it my favorite rule system? No. I mean, I've, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a 2d6 make success guy, but I love that there are mixed successes in yeah. the dice pool system, which is really, really fantastic. Yeah. Um, I also feel like I'm between um, I feel like I'm between the seven and eight on this because I think the rules are incredibly well written. And like you said, there's not anything that I could knock. There's only one thing that I would want to get to the table and feel how it plays to be able to um, feel it a little bit better. But yeah, I, I think I'm between the seven and eight. So at this point, what we would do is bring up previous scores and compare. So Slipgate got an eight. Um, Electrum Archive got an eight. Uh, what are things that feel like they have sevens? We Dylan Lead got an eight. 
I'm trying to find some sevens. We feel what a seven is like. Eyes beyond the torchlight. There were some knocks that I could have given that. Um, Best up Barry got an eight. Original Rune Cairn got a seven. Um, but then We Deal on Lead got an eight. Um, Forbidden Psalm, seven. Viking Death Squad, seven. I mean, I'm, if. I well, I'm just thinking of an own Rune Cairn because I've actually played that one. Or even think of like Slipgate. Like when we look at the, like, the amount and complexity and stuff of the rules. Yeah comparatively and that's the thing is like just because the game is more complex and has more options doesn't necessarily mean the rule set itself is better it's yeah, just yeah. it is the rule set i think it comes down to um the rules constantly reinforce themselves and i don't think it could that's be it. written better there's nothing in the system that i would go i would do this better or differently and the only question i have is yeah. if the number of options for success are too many. Right? I mean, like, like yeah. yeah. No, that's so that, say, that's... I think something we harped on a lot with Slipgate was the way that the rules reinforce the setting mm -hmm. and, and the rules reinforce the gameplay. And it's not just a way to resolve something. Um, right. And I think that that's something that if we're going to go with other games as well, I think that Rune Cairn following the, uh, the Cairn into the odd model, you know that just it's just a good rule set right but it doesn't necessarily right. reinforce anything that it's doing right right um, right, right. I think this the rule set here it, it does it reinforces everything like everything about it reinforces the the the, the setting the play the the story everything yeah I, I i think we're both settled on eights then huh yeah yeah i think yeah so. yeah i think i think we convinced ourselves to eight so originality I think, I mean, know. yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, but taking the entire game into, into account, like, I, I think the setting is really, really, really great. Yeah. Um, I think it's really clever, has retro futurist cassette future stuff been done before it has, has said it has do setting exists where you can, do anything you want when you go into it sure actually uh we learn, we deal in lead is the exact same concept where any door you go through um can lead you to literally anything mm -hmm. um so multi-dimensional aspects of play i mean there's a whole cipher system based on jumping from you know literally setting to setting to setting you know and at the end of the day even something like um you know planescapes entire concept is basically bouncing between planes that'll give you different things so is it is it not ever been done before no it's been done before is it still done incredibly well? Fuck yes. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, is the is there anything incredibly original about the rule set? D6 dice pool system, it exists. I think magic is really clever. I think I think that's really, really well done. Um, so in the context of you know something being incredibly original, you know, we did give Slipgate a 10. Probably should have given it a nine. We gave it a 10. I don't regret it. I think that. One of the things that really made that one more unique was the rule set also really helped with the bringing like 90s FPS into it yeah. and how well that was really well adapted. And, yeah. and there, there are other games out there that try to be like FPS kind of, but I felt like that one was so original in the way that it That's did everything. Right. 
Um, so for me on originality, I absolutely fucking love this game. I almost wish that I could give like the whole game a bonus point for just how well it all works together. I think that's one of the best aspects of the game. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, um, uh, we don't really have a value for that, right? Like how well the layout works with the story works with the rule set works with everything so that there's an overall just really the cohesiveness, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And I so originality is kind of like where I guess we, we could put that. Right. Um, because to me, I feel like I'm at about a seven for originality on this, which again, five is considered average. So a seven is still a really high fucking score. But if yeah. I was going to give a bonus point for, like I said, for how cohesive I think the entire thing is and how well the entire thing is done, this is where I'd give it. So I'm between a seven and an eight. Where are you with this? So I was between an eight and a nine, but leaning towards eight because um, only because I'm not a huge fan of dice pools. Um, and despite and 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 PBTA style uh, mixed su- successes and such. I know you love, I love them. that, though. I They're love great. They're Perfect. great. This so game is fantastic, but it's not my preferred. Uh, you know, I have my own my own preferences, right? Um, so that, for that reason, I was you know I was sitting at a nine as far as originality because of the the way that everything in this in this game just like just every single aspect of it is just like a Gordian knot that you just don't you will never want to cut apart, right? No, no. Um, but. Then I'm like, but it's a dice pool system. And, you know, there's a couple things that I was like, whatever, you know, like, but it's not bad. It's just not my preferred thing. So, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking I'm leaning towards an eight for, for originality. Yeah. But um, yeah. that does not think... by any mean that I don't think this is fucking incredible because it really it's incredible. Is. It's incredible. Yeah, but, I think eight is really, really good for this because of everything we talked about. Originality kind of I don't want to say it's the dumb stat. Uh, but it, it in, yeah. in 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 it's an antithesis of a dumb stat in that like all of the um what's the word I'm looking for? Like all the extra bits, undefined extra bits kind of fall into originality where it's like mm-hmm. if there it's not as cut and dry. So this is kind of like where all everything we just talked about, like cohesiveness and all the rest of this stuff can really, really influence. And I think all of those things all together definitely deserve that. I think eight for this is really, really great. And then value. I mean, listen, through the fucking roof, right? Not only so. So important things when it comes to value is the cost of the game, right? So the cost of the game on itches, I believe, is eight dollars, right? And if you want a print version of it, it's eighteen dollars. I slapped, I hit that button so fucking hard. Like I definitely have a print version. And honestly, Zonware, I need, I need to hit you up because I wasn't sure if um uh the pre-order like of the Happy 1999 was still a thing because I definitely want a print version of that too. So um I'll be hitting you up to try to get that as well. Um but. So there is important things that matter are cost of the game, right? Um, are there expansions? Are there adventures? Is there printable material? Are there websites? Is there expanded content? Is there options for more expanded content? And holy fucking shit, there's a whole goddamn website. There's a whole website of expanded content, of extra adventures. There's a whole second zine. There's um, all the downloadables and all that extra shit is absolutely free. 
absolutely free like yes. outside of buying the two zines but even if you just want zine one and zine two 16 dollars for both those pdfs plus everything else character sheets the 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 downloadable like it's just there's so much content for this and there's ever expanding content for it too it's amazing value amazing eight dollars i paid for this pdf was some of the best eight dollars i've spent in the last in this year and 18 i think is the cost of the of the um of the uh print is that am i wrong right there well i got it for 14.99 but i don't know where i got i don't remember which which lgs i bought this from so i may have gotten it on sale or something oh (laughs) yeah this might include shipping so it's 18 dollars um standard price of $15 plus $3 shipping boom yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. yeah i i hit that button so hard happy new year 1999 is also $8 and it is $15 with $3 shipping included the thing says get for 15 though so i assume $3 will be added so again it'll be $18 uh for that uh easy easy $15 spend on that pdf um, and then on top of that, there is the entire Winternet collect- collection, which is a completely free download. I, I can't harp on this enough. Great yeah. fucking value. I mean, when so th- the very few games that have gotten so like, I think Merkborg got a ten on value because uh, the game is literally free at this point. You can download the entire like like black and white version of it. But at the time also they had the entire, they had Ferratory, they had all those other fucking zines. Ferratory, they had all yeah. of the adventures of that completely free on the, the, uh, the, when they used to do the, the, uh, Merkborg cult or whatever like that. Um, casket land was also one that I think got a 10 because I think the zine is like three or f- you can, the entire, everything that you could possibly get for casket land was like five bucks and, and yeah. things like that. So it was an insane value. This is right the fuck up there with like, and value is where a lot of the scores dip for a bunch of these, like get a lot yeah. of sixes and sevens, which is again, normal. Right. But, um, this one is is got to be at least an easy eight eight or nine on value. I mean, yeah, the amount of content you get for this is insane. Yeah, I and I think that it's uh, something I don't know where where this would even qualify, but I just want to like give a hundred points with my ability to do so to Zonware for just their commitment to the fucking bit. Like, yeah, it's. The game itself is just so cool. Everything in the game, like we've talked about, the rules reinforce the setting, the setting reinforces the rules, all that stuff. But then you've got this person behind the name that's pretending to be this like corporation that's also part of the game. And they have a website where you can download all the all the all the work, anything extra you want to get on there. It's all printable, which is great. And it's all in black and white, which is even better because a lot of times you can download PDFs and you want to print them and they're in color or they have tons of black shit on them. Um, whereas, you know, there's a lot of black on this, so whatever. But uh, but then you've got the whole website, which is just, just f- fun to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, they said in, in the Twitter, in the Twitch chat that there's hidden secrets on the website. So like 
now my value is going into how much time am I going to spend looking at the fucking source code of their website to try and see if I, see if right. I can find secret shit on their website for no reason other than I'm curious, right? Like that shit, like, I, yeah, like it, it, it's going to be a nine for me at least just because of how much is there. And also tacking on that commitment to the bit and just being willing to spend all that extra time making a person who buys and gets into this game have like an experience with it right like it's not just playing the game but you're like joining this like community of people that have like you know source code is not cheating <laughs> or maybe it is i don't know i don't know the rules yet yeah you know i I, I'm between an eight and a nine too. You know, the ones that other other got high scores too are because of things like um, is all it's all extra stuff, right? So like um, for example, like Frontier Scum has a character generator. You yeah. know what I mean? Merkborg has a character generation, a dungeon generator, like every generator under the sun. That's great. I'm not gonna knock this for not having a character generator because characters take ten seconds to fucking make, and yeah. you have to like do it as a group anyway. But um, having the website and the downloadables too is equivalent to me. Like I'm, I'm between an eight and a nine on this as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, if the game was completely free, it would be a 10. It's not, it costs, you know, average cost for the zine, right? Which is 30 bucks to get physicals of both in your hand. Um, I think, but yeah, then you like got said, all that I, free stuff online on, on there too. You know, they got so all those PDFs for free, right? Um, which I think is it's and it's for me, that's all extra because it's like all those items in the game are you don't need you don't need the descriptions. You can just do whatever you want with them. But they spent the time to make all that stuff, you know, all that all the all the free PDFs on there. I just think it's yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're convincing me. I'm, so, um, I'm trying to sell you on my nine here, Ryan. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and go nine on this. Um, and uh, I think this will be like the third game in a row that got a 40, um, which is a really fucking high score in the context. Like, you know, I think the average score across everything is between like a 36 and a 38 um, because eh, it's probably right around a 37. And that's also because we don't really look at bad games because I don't want to be a dick on the internet that just rips a fucking terrible game apart. We'd never yeah. do that. So we pick fucking fire. And listen, this was your pick. Thank you. Because this is so fucking good. Like the last couple of games we read, I am so happy between Slipgate and Himbos and this, between the rules and the originality and, and just the vibes of all of those games. They have been absolute fucking awesome to sit down and read and review and and talk about and dig into and this is this one is really really fucking good like this yeah. is the kind of like amount of tech and technology i want in my game the setting like you said is so fucking clever and i i'm i'm continually going to be blown away by just like how well it's laid out how well it's written how much it reinforces itself like again there's not a single part i can point to and be like i don't like that the yeah. only thing that we can even question is if the number of successes is necessary. And honestly, again, we probably won't hit five or six on those anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like, it's just yeah. really fucking good. This is this immediately also goes on the list because we've reviewed games where I'm like, this looks really fucking good. Uh, we'll play it eventually. This is one of the ones where it's like, 
I want to play it right fucking now. Like, yeah. this is such a good fucking game. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are my closing remarks about Dead Hall. What, anything you gotta, yeah, you wanna wrap up about? I mean, I think I've harped on it enough, but uh, I just, anybody that has watched this uh, or is listening to this episode in the podcast world, please go to zonware.net and buy this Seriously. game. Uh, it's, it's just, if for nothing else, just read the book and enjoy it because yeah. it's, it reads, you can read it and, and get ideas for your, for your own game. You can get ideas for your own, your own stories, your own setting, whatever you want to do. Like you don't even necessarily need to play the game if you don't want to, but there's just so much good stuff in this book that it's, it's worth so just, much good stuff. It's still, still just worth buying. Like I Goodbye. said, even just even just the the like how to write an adventure part. I'm like, that's such a that's such a uh, like great fucking just, text. Great fucking great text. text. Yeah. Like you like just and and honestly, again, for accessibility and readability and for having writing your game in a way where I have no questions whatsoever mm-hmm. how anything works. Right. Because there are times where I'm like, oh, wait, uh, I think this is how it works. Like they're not a single goddamn question. Like if more people would put this many examples of play, this many numbered lists, this many times where it gives it to you and then gives it to you again to reinforce it. But this time in a black fucking box, like uh, just. This is how to write a game and how to create a readable, parsable understandable game if you are even if you're just designing games and you never play this read this so that when you actually physically put your game together you learn something because this is so fucking good and that's what we got that is our episode here on the weekly scroll kirby thank you again so much for coming on second time here on the show as a guest co-host probably going to be a regular guest co-host at this point um disastertourism.games check out all their shit guild is coming out soon definitely want to snag that as soon as you can um you're the shit i really appreciate you coming on thank you ryan this, i love you. this has been uh dead halt zonware thank you for being in chat thank you for for everybody that's been here um and listening really really appreciate it um you can find kirby at disastertourism.games or at dtrpgs yeah. on twitter yeah. It's almost like um, Grand Theft RPG, but with an S. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can find us at uh, the.weekly.scroll on Instagram, at weekly underscore scroll on Twitter, or at the Adventure Archive on YouTube. That's where you'll be able to find this VOD. Um, and uh, links to our podcast are through all of the links and bios for all of those places. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, not sure what we're going to do next week, um, but uh, when Hunter gets back, we'll talk about it and let you all know on our Twitter account. Uh, you've all been wonderful. Buy this fucking game. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. See ya.